do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. Oh man, it is Wednesday night. You know what that means. It's time for the Mark Order podcast here on the Shining Wizards Network. Right now, it's party one here. Uh, Ant Money here on the Mark Order podcast. Didn't find out till before. That uh, Sean wasn't joining, and uh, I don't know. Kate's supposed to be here. Uh, oh, she's in the chat looking for a link. Interesting. Uh, well, uh, I guess at some point I will send a link. Uh, so, hope everybody's doing well tonight. Um Man, what a week it's been uh, in the world of AEW. We had a phenomenal pay-per-view on Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a great episode of Dynamite tonight. We're going to talk about all of it. Uh, and, um, you know, as soon as I can find a second to breathe and I guess send a link over to Kate, if everything will cooperate, I assume Kate will join us. Uh, so bear with me as I ramble on and try to do multiple things at the same time. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't talk and do things like at the same time. So doesn't make for a great radio. Um, but, well, we'll get through it. So I hope everybody had a great uh, a great night uh, watching Dynamite, and I hope everybody really got to see the pay per view on Sunday night because um, it was a great show. And if you didn't get to see it, we are you know I will, and uh, Kate will eventually, I guess, be joining to uh, talk about the pay per view, and then we'll break down the card for tonight. Um. It was great. I got to uh, hang out a little bit with um, with Millionaire Matt on Sunday night. Uh, so he came over and we watched the pay-per-view. It was also Mrs. Money's birthday yesterday. So we celebrated with my family and and her family on, uh, on Sunday before the pay-per-view. So it was a busy day, but it was a great day. 
And uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll talk about all of it. And I think I have to do this. So apologies. Hey. Well, well, well. Look who finally decides to show up. I was sitting at my computer. <laughs> Why didn't you just log in? Because I'm logged into the Fightful one. I can't. You can fucking log out. I would need to get like the code and stuff. I wasn't going to be able to do that in five minutes or whatever. Man, we need a better system for this. Um, I need my second computer back. <laughs> how's everything going? Eh. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. There's some great wrestling. Uh, yes. yeah, I don't know. My life's like falling apart, but it's fine. I'll survive. Oh. Been through talk about it? Uh, I just like have no boundaries with work. And so I took on, I'm trying to clear out some debt and I took on a contract that was like the expectations that were set were not what was realistic. And so it got overwhelming and then it got like, borderline abusively overwhelming like in the communication so i quit it with no notice <laughs> which oh. is good i still have two other jobs i'm fine um but it was just really really bad and my it's just like that whole spiral right of then i was like i'm not only overworked i'm not taking like any care of myself i was never sleeping i was not going to the gym i was not like just breathing but i was kind of like knew that was gonna be the case i was just like it's gonna be a sucky couple months till april but then it'll be worth it because i'll be out of debt uh now i have to go see if i can still collect my money but i kept looking at like our our new japan trip date being like i just gotta get there i just gotta get i just gotta mm. get till april 1st and then i in two weeks after that i'll be like decompressed and ready to like have the time of my life but uh yeah the situation got really really bad over the weekend um so i kind of just like hit a breaking point and i've been trying to piece myself back together all week in the midst of having shows 14 shows in the past nine days so i am yeah. i am ragged but i'm okay it's, it's all it's not like it's not fixable and half the problem is already fixed so sounds I like just, a ton of fun it's awful it's awful but now I'm just got to go shake them down, you know? Sure. Bitch better have my money. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't your shoot nine to five, right? No, 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 no. That's good. This was just like, it was someone that I knew actually from when I interned. um, And just like, not a, not a good situation. Not a, not a good situation. But uh, I ended it. It just is unfortunate because I shouldn't have had to get to that point to end it. <laughs> well, so it's over. And then just like other dumb stuff, but I'm I'm all right. Glad to watch wrestling. The pay per view was awesome on Sunday from my own home, which I was very upset about. <laughs> so it's all right. We got big dogs. It's okay. I get it. We got big dogs. If I, I could have been anywhere, it mm -hmm. would not have been hand deleting seven thousand emails because someone's an idiot. So, 
Well, um, it's also International Women's Day. Did you bake a cake today? Uh, no, it was more a sandwich prep situation for me. Oh, nice. I'm more like a make me a sandwich kind of girl. Sweet. So you made a gentleman a sandwich, right? Of course, yeah. The fact that I'm out of the kitchen right now was At like, least you were in the kitchen, I was going to say. Yeah, I was. this is actually against everything that this day stands for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why you should have been doing this from your kitchen. That would have been... Oh, that would have been so close. The ultimate. Oh. Um, well, uh, happy International Women's Day to you. Uh, forget a Happy month. Happy belated to Gina. I don't know if she's in the chat, but I don't know. I got a bottle with Rose, of rosé with her name on it. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, we did. Well, her 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 actual birthday was yesterday, so um, we uh, we didn't really do much yesterday because I had to go to the office yesterday. So. Um, we celebrated Saturday or Saturday, Sunday. Days are getting mixed up during the day before the pay-per-view. Um, family came over. Did Tony Nese come over? Tony Nese did not come over, but he oh, did wow. send a happy birthday message. I was like, that son of a bitch. That's and you're looking good now, too. Like it's it's getting it's getting dicey now because he's like in charge of your nutrition plan a little bit. Right. So it's like, yeah, he's going to start sabotaging you to get after yeah. G. I was like, why do you keep saying to eat chocolate cake? Like, yeah, like I, day. I'm delighted, but it feels if I have base. to, I will. Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So uh, Sunday, the fam came over and, um, you know, we had uh, we had some food and some drinks and hung out and um, we had store bought cake uh, Sunday. But I uh, so I'll say this. I I like baking okay. uh, more than I like cooking because the way that my brain works, I like following structure and order. And to me, cooking isn't really that mm, sort of. But um, cooking isn't really that because they're like, use a dash of this or season to taste. I'm like, that doesn't fucking compute. Like, just I give can't me... measure a dash. Yeah, right. <laughs> just tell me a quarter of a teaspoon or what, whatever. Uh, and that's why I like baking, because um, it's like you have to use a cup of flour. If you don't use a cup of flour, you're fucked. You know what I mean? Like or, you know, however much baking soda, you know, like it's very structured. So I like it. And I would say over 10 years ago, Kate, I made a uh, an, a cheddar apple pie. So the apple pie had a homemade cheddar crust. What? Mrs. Money still asks me for that pie. Now, I didn't make that for her birthday, but she still asks me for that pie every now and again. And she said to me a couple weeks ago, you know, I like when you bake, you never bake. You know, you should maybe, you know, Tony maybe for me. make me a cake. Sure. And I was like, well, I thought you wanted like an ice cream cake or something. And she was like, just make something for me. And I said, OK, well, here you go. Um, You have your choice. What kind of cake would you like? You want regular cake? You want ice cream cake? She said, I'd like an ice cream cake. I said, OK. 
Do you want ice cream cake, which is like, you know, the classic two layers of ice cream with the crunch in the middle? Or do you want like the DQ style cake, which is ice cream on the bottom, real cake on the top? She said, I'd like ice cream on the bottom, cake on the top. So I said, okay, kind of ice cream, mint chocolate chip. What kind of cake? Chocolate. And said, how would you like me to ice this thing? Chocolate ganache. Beautiful. Elite combo. Right it, it's a great combo. Classic. Nothing wrong with it. I believe at first, Kate, she thought I was going to do what most people do when they say, I'm going to make you an ice cream cake. I'm going to go buy the ice cream and put it in the mold and right. make a cake. Nay, I say, I said, I am going to make the ice cream from scratch. Ooh. So we'll get there. So I had to, you know. I had to make a test batch at home, which turned out okay. And I don't have a churn. Um, I, I don't have a, a, an ice cream churn. So I had to hand hand mix it, but it's not churned ice cream. So it tasted a little like the it tasted a little different as far as like the texture, but it worked. So the test batch was good. So I knew we're going in. We did the the mint chocolate chip ice cream looked like it came out fine. I did a scratch chocolate cake, nothing from the box. We did it all from scratch. And then um, I did the chocolate ganache from scratch. And the only part I was a little nervous about was the assembly. Because I was like, I don't know how I'm getting this goddamn thing out of the the mold. Because right. I tried to put the ice cream in the mold with, with saran wrap. But it, when I put it in with the saran wrap so that I could pull it out, it wasn't heavy enough to stick to the edge of the pan. So it was like, you know, it was going to be all misshapen. And I was like, well, then the layers aren't going to work and blah, blah, blah. So I did get it out in one piece, which was nice. I assembled it. Really no problem. Came out really nice. And that will be Mrs. Money's listening. That will be the last time I bake for the next 10 years. <laughs> you cashed in. That's it. No, okay. actually, it was a uh, it wasn't that bad. It really wasn't. Were you the recipient or the giver of a funfetti cake not long ago? Recipient? I was I feel like recipient. baby A made you some funfetti. Yeah, I was the recipient. I was Very not nice. uh I did not make. Uh this was the first thing I actually like made big project made from scratch uh Respect. in a long time. Respect. Yeah. What did baby A get mama for the birthday? So, um, he got her a couple shirts. Um, he got her, I don't know if you remember or know of Kate, there was a show on Cartoon Network called Chowder, which I was, I know of Chowder. So, uh, Chowder was this like land where there was this like little kid character who was an apprentice, like cook or chef. And it was just wacky and wild. It it was sort of for kids, but like not 100% for kids. So he was able to find her a chowder shirt. And he got that because the shirt she was looking for was not in the store. But then we found it and it wasn't maybe her size. So we got both shirts. The other shirt was um, it was a boy band, a fake boy band from the movie Turning Red, the Pixar movie. It was a four town <laughs> shirt. Very nice. We're big fans of Four Town in this house. I heard uh, Turning Red was great. I heard that movie's was, like legit. It was good. It resonated. Gina said it hits differently 
uh, with the ladies because it was very much about the relationship between a mother and daughter. Oh, so, um, so, but I thought it was very good. Uh, it was very funny. You know what took me like by surprise? <laughs> Do you remember Marcel the Shell? Did we talk about Marcel the Shell? We didn't talk about Marcel the Shell. I haven't watched it yet, but it is on one of the streamers that I have access to. So I will eventually see Marcel, uh, Marcel the Shell. It's like very good and way more heartstringsy than I thought it was going to be. Like I was expecting full full silliness. Yeah, it's like I was like welling up for parts of it. I, I was very thrown off, um, but but fantastic. But same deal. There's like a, a really nice like um, senior younger relationship navigation in it. Uh, right. Really, really good. Really, really, really good. Did you um did you see um. Any other, uh, what is it? Uh, every, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's another Oscar buzz movie. I did not, but I heard really good things. And I think my sister was saying that I should. I enjoyed it. And that's another one where I think it, uh, like it did resonate with me. Like the message wasn't lost on me, but it was definitely about the relationship between mother and daughter. Aww. So it definitely hits a little different, I think, for the for ladies. the ladies here on International Women's Day. But it the message overall wasn't lost on me. I, I actually really like that movie. And I, you know, before I even knew it was really up for the Oscars, like we saw this it months ago. Like it wasn't in theaters, but it was, you know, what it was sort of like um relatively new to streamers. So like sure. it was like just hitting HBO uh, or Showtime or whatever. It was very good. I thought it was very good. I really haven't seen anything else. I couldn't tell you what else is nominated. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't. Just the I... whale. That's the only other thing I know that's. Right. <laughs> I okay. guess Brendan Fraser. Of course. But I heard that it opens up really weird. So I was like, maybe I have to see this movie. Interesting. Yeah. I have no I... idea what it's about. I just know Brendan Fraser was watching once again. America's Sweetheart. I think the basic synopsis, and I'm not looking it up, is uh, the basic synopsis is, I guess it's a guy who um, has a daughter in like a normal life. And then but he's he's really gay. And like, I guess his lifestyle changes. And I guess he I don't know, he. Uh, he like falls apart because like it sort of destroys his life after he sort of makes that that leap. I don't know, but. Brendan Fraser, all I know is it's either a combination of fat suit and CGI or just a fat suit. Um, you know, I so, remember that. Like, I remember yeah. being like, oh, I love him, but he's looking a little bit rougher on some of these photos. Like, yeah. I had no idea what it was about. And then I kind of learned. Yeah. But, yeah. I heard that. It, I heard that it opens up and it's a, it's he's jacking it to gay porn and then has a heart attack. <laughs> Like, maybe I have to see this movie if that's how it opens up. That's not terribly far away from Matt's life, but he would just be asleep. Sleep jacket. Yeah. 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 That's very different. Someone in the uh, Cabbage Sensei saying, uh, I think Elvis. Uh, we just talked about everything everywhere all at once. Elvis. Uh, David Bauer says, haven't seen Elvis. Cabbage Sensei. Elvis. Very good. I saw Elvis. Spoiler um, alert. He was a musician. He was. I didn't love Elvis. I didn't see it. Didn't love it. I'm not like a big Elvis gal. I'm not a huge Elvis gal. I'll watch most music related stuff. 
But the yeah. bio, the biopic stuff. I'm I'm really burnt on biopic stuff, and I really hate. Like for me, and and I, I didn't plan on seeing the Queen one, Bohemian Rhapsody, but I saw it probably because it was like on cable, and I just stopped on it. Um, I really hate all of those uh, moments in those movies where it's like, you know, they sort of show you like how the hits are are written or whatever, like how so they're like, like received into the yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's like people were fighting in the control room or in the studio and the guy's like, knock it off, knock it off, trying to break their attention. The guy's like, wait a minute. You know, like uh, that stuff. Like, yeah, OK. Tell me you did not see the Elton John one. then. No, absolutely not. The whole I feel like most people liked the Elton John one and hated Bohemian Rhapsody. And I actually kind of liked Bohemian Rhapsody and could not. The Elton John one, I was just like, no. But I think more than Bohemian Rhapsody, I just thought, I forget what the actor's name who played him was, but he just kind of blew me away. Like, I thought he's, I, in every... Hey, which movie? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody? Bohemian Rhapsody, the guy from oh, um, um, Mr. Yeah, Robot. Mr. Robot. Uh, somebody in the chat will put his name up, but now, of course, his name is uh, Rami Malek. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was... I think he's just a gangbusters actor, and I thought he was fantastic in it. The pacing of that movie got weird. His but, teeth um, were so comically big, though. It was like that. W- that was so so distracting for me. I know Eddie Eddie Mercury had big teeth, but these were like comically like Eddie he Mercury? couldn't wrap his. What did I say? He said Eddie Mercury. <laughs> oh, I thought I said Freddie. Sorry. Uh, for, I th- uh, Freddie Mercury. Uh, he could close his mouth. I felt like Rami Malek couldn't close his mouth at all. It was it was like almost too like over a bit too. Like it was yeah. Like Freddie Mercury had an extra set of whatever, but like in the back of his right. And it, this was like very forward, but yeah, it was really tough. It was really tough. I just all that stuff when it comes to the biopics. I'm like, it did not happen like that. It, it, that's not how you know, like. And I hate this stuff, too, where it's like, um, what was it? Uh, the NWA one. Was that Boys? Not Boys in the Hood. Um, straight out of Compton. Uh, straight out of Compton. Like, there was a moment where, like, uh, Dr. Dre is tooling around with something. And then he starts playing, like, uh, he's, like, putting notes together on his keyboard. And then he starts playing the, like, melody to, like, Dre Day or whatever, like dee 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 dee. I'm like, come the fuck on, please. Don't. That that shit happens though. It does, but like, come on. Like, I, it's the exaggerated part because I think that like, I think it just became a really tired storytelling device of like how you demonstrate those moments of inspiration. Like a lot of I I have a friend who's a songwriter and he was in. Italy for his honeymoon and the sirens that they have on cop cars there. He was like, Oh, that's awesome. I want to put that like into a song. <laughs> he like captured the sound of it. But if that was in a movie, you know, it would have been like the whole world stop and he heard a siren and then he would have been like, like, I know, I, <laughs> I know that that stuff happens. I'm not, I'm not a fool. Like the best example of that was, uh, I was, I watched the, um, the actual documentary. It wasn't a biopic. It was a documentary they did on uh, Ronnie James Dio. Yeah. And he was telling the story. He was telling the story of Rainbow in the Dark. And uh, 
he was like, I hated it. You know, I didn't, I was about to cut it up and blah, blah, blah. But, um, one of the other guys in the band was like, yeah, like we all could tell something was sort of missing. And he's like, the guitar player had his, you know, cigarette dangling from his mouth. And he like leans forward to the keyboard and like gently played like the keyboard part in the beginning of the song and was like, there you go. Like the ash didn't even drop from his Mike. cigarette and it was there. And it's like, I know that happens, but you're right. If that was in a movie, it would have been something way over the top stupid. And I just, it's so dumb. I can't we also it. had the perfect music biopic and it was the Dewey Cox story and you can't, you're not going to outdo it. So just stop trying. That That's right. Perfect. That's right. There are, there are a lot of like, I, I, when it first came out, I did enjoy um, Walk the Line. That wasn't bad. But that was like maybe one of the first sort of like major. That math. one and Ray were like back to back. That was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, let's just start doing all of them. Like Notorious was on last month or something like that. And I sat and watched it. And I was like, wow, this movie was not as good as I remember it sort of being. Yeah. Going back to Notorious. But I don't know. I don't know. Wasn't anyway, so notorious after all. what's that? It wasn't so notorious after all, was it? No, it wasn't. It was okay. <laughs> and that guy did like nasally enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. So should we talk some wrestling? We should talk some wrestling. I want to talk about the pay-per-view. We're not going to talk Rampage because Rampage is just, you know, set up for the pay-per-view. So we don't need to talk about Rampage. I, all I want to say about Rampage, though, is like this did not feel like a live Rampage before a pay-per-view. Those are normally like primer. And this just had like right. Rio versus Emi Sakura. I was like, and, and that was actually a really good match. But I was like, normally the live Rampages before pay-per-views are fucking awesome. And they didn't really do anything with it, which was kind of a bummer. You know, I felt like it was too many like vignette segments setting up the hype for the show. And there was nothing like there was nothing sort of directly yes. related to the pay-per-view, which sort of I wouldn't say it was upsetting, but it was just kind of like, eh, you know what I mean? Flat. Like, yeah, why do I care? Um, And also, uh, I mean, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it because I honestly didn't see the whole thing yet because uh, I was out last week. But uh, Ring of Honor, first episode in the new era of honor. Like I said, I'm honestly not all the way through it. I'm I'm a little more than halfway through it. I've been going back and picking it up throughout the last week. Um, so far from what I've seen, very, very good. Very pleased at what they put on television or, you know, put on the streamer. Um, the only thing I find disappointing is that on the Honor Club app, it doesn't uh, let you resume where you leave. So, like, I just know where I have to get back to. Like, I know the timestamp. So weird, man. Like, I don't know why Peacock's the same way. I'm like, why can't wrestling apps just let me go backwards or what or resume? It's so annoying. I mean, I'll give I'll give the the WWE Network app, the original one, a lot of credit. That one I thought was very good. You could easily yeah. sort of find stuff. I mean, I wasn't going and searching stuff by name, but like if you wanted a pay-per-view, it was very easy to find a pay-per-view. And right. when you left a show, you could go back and pick it up where it left off. But I 
I thought maybe I did something wrong the first time I went in the Honor Club app and opened the app, and then I went back to it like the next day, and I was like, oh, maybe I didn't like do this the right way. Nope, I just can't pick it back up. So I the did. The thing with uh, the WWE Network was it, the t- customer service was terrible, but it was a an app designed to be for wrestling. Right. So it wasn't like absorbed into an infrastructure that's just supposed to be for like binge watching other shows or whatever. Um, right. But ROH, that first episode, I thought was gangbusters. Overall, just like I was that's... so happy it didn't feel like uh, AEW light or um, right. diet version of it. Like it felt like Ring of Honor. And I couldn't believe how quick it moved because I saw like a 10 match card and I was like, Jesus. But I was like, oh, right, it's Ring of Honor. They don't do in-ring promo, dramatic, whatever. It was just like match, interview backstage, match, match, interview backstage. It yeah. moves so fast. And no commercial breaks because you're on a streamer. So right. um, and, and the, really the, well-paced. The in-between interviews, we might even see them pull back on some of that because this had to set up. You know, it's the first episode, so you kind of have to set up these stories for the first couple weeks because we have to get to the pay-per-view, right? So like at some point they very well could pull back on the interviews and stuff like that. And who knows? I was very happy to hear Caprice and Ian Riccoboni back on the call. That's fantastic. They're both awesome. Um, the match quality that I, again, I'm like an hour and 20 through the episode. So I got like 40 more minutes. Um, everything I've seen so far, the quality has been really good. Uh, at this point, I really sort of know the rest of what happens in the show and, and stuff like that. Um, Did you but, see um, Takeshita Josh Woods yet? Fantastic. Fucking fantastic. And that, that came after great. Zack Sabre Jr., right? Or was that Yes, I saw that. That was fantastic. And I Dear love the God. I love that belt with the 15 minute time limit. Like, it's so perfect. Best. Best. It's great. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, Aussie Open said, you know, hey, uh, we'll wrestle next week, you know, like, so I don't remember. I don't remember the last thing I was at. I didn't get to the Willow match yet, but I heard that was very good. Um, And I heard the main event was also very good with Claudia. Main event and, and post was was great. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I know right. about the post and Eddie and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, um, I'm still gonna I'll still say this. These fucking spoiler images on social. What the fuck are we doing? Just because, again, I'm not seeking it out. Just don't put it in front of me because you can't stop what's coming up in your feed. I'm intrigued to see if that lightens up after because they taped so far ahead to Supercard. I wonder if they're going to be like taping in batches or if they're going to like if that'll alleviate because you're not going to be taping six weeks ahead, four weeks ahead or whatever. Uh, but I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. They're on the streaming service. So it's like, they can kind of do whatever they want, which is good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there were, there were a lot of people frustrated by it, but, um, I, I, I just wonder what that's going to look like. And I also wonder if we're going to stay at two hours forever or if they're going to yeah. scale up or down, but it was a really fast flying two hours. Like I had no complaints it about it because it was just like, it's such a well-paced show and you're right. Caprice and Ian just, my favorite duo, though Taz yeah. was awesome tonight. <laughs> yes. The I mean, yeah, we'll jump to the pay-per-view into tonight. Um, but yes, Ring of Honor, very good. Looking forward to tomorrow's episode. I'll finish episode one. Episode one, and then we'll get to two next week, uh, this week. But um, 
yeah, you mentioned Taz, and I wanted to say um, how good I thought Taz was on commentary during the pay-per-view. You know, he's been very good on TV. Um, and I thought the pay-per-view overall was not, this is not hyperbole, maybe a top five that they've put on so far in the history of this company. I oh, thought yeah. if you could even maybe argue top three, it was that good in my opinion. And we were, well, I say we, but maybe not. Uh, I think you can always be skeptical about um, a 60 minute Iron Man match being your main event. Not because of the guys who were involved in the match. I never, I never doubted their work rate and the quality that they'd put out. What I was skeptical about was, can you keep everybody invested in this match? Because a 60 minute Iron Man match can get really stale and move really slow, really quickly. If you're not doing it right, we're not going to jump. We won't jump in right into that. But I was very, very pleased that that didn't happen. And um, yeah, I thought this no lie, Kate. I thought this card was structured perfectly. I thought the stories were told beautifully throughout the night, even if it's like, you know, we had talked about like, OK, Jungle Boy, Christian Cage, like, let's wrap this shit up like enough of this already. Great they wrapped it. They did it. And it was done perfectly. Like, regardless of whether you think that's how it should have gone down or not, doesn't matter. They put a fucking bow on it. And that's all we could have asked for. And the matches through the night, I thought were fantastic with all the stipulations that were involved in the card. So overall, I th I thought this was a, a fucking great, great pay-per-view. I probably put this at number four all time. I would go all out when Danielson and Cole debuted and Punk's in-ring debut, that full gear after. And I think the first revolution, just because it was the first one, was like so... And you had like MJF versus Cody. I was just like so blown away by the product of that. But this is like right there. This was so good. I think what helped the Iron Man match too was my whole thing was like, I I love MJF's in-ring storytelling and what Danielson did with Hangman I thought was unbelievable in their Iron Man match. So I was hopeful about the match. What I didn't trust was Tony Khan to properly pace a pay-per-view before that. And the flow of this, the less matches... Uh, it helped a lot, helped a lot, I think, and that this was set up for um, to to feel like a main event and not feel like a chore by the time you got there and then feel like uninteresting by the time you got halfway there. But this was right. really good because every match was was different. And like every match, I don't normally like stipulations. It, like every match had a stipulation in it, which... Yep but it didn't feel gimmickly. Like they all served the stories that they were in. Mm -hmm. So it just felt like good and different, which was really refreshing. So really well sequenced pay-per-view. The main event was just unbelievable, but yeah, to your point, we'll, we'll get there. And, and I want to call this out cause I don't want to forget about it. Cabbage sensei says the only change that he would make is that he would have put the comedy four way, uh, before, uh, or after the death match by comedy four way. I'm assuming he means a tag match. Yeah. Um, but I actually don't mind where it was because the big pop you got from FTR coming out, I think was fine because you knew 
this 60 minute match was going to be a lot to get people involved in. So it was naturally going to come down and go back up, right? The tension naturally builds in that match. So I think it's okay to have the big pop for FTR and then have the crowd come down because they're going to build themselves back up during that match. So I actually didn't have a problem with that. I I liked the way they structured the card. I I didn't know actually where they were going to sort of start. And I was, I was perfectly fine with everything. So we don't have to talk about every every single match, Kate. We'll run through the the card and the results. I mean, at this point, most people know, but we'll cover it. And if you want to, whatever you want to say, just jump in and say it. Um, but in the uh, in the buy-in, uh, we had Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers defeat Ari Davari and the Varsity Athletes. All I'm going to say is for like a, a throwaway match, quote unquote, right? I thought it was really done really well, and it. it you know, it just still kills me. It's like it took Jay Briscoe dying for Mark to get this spotlight put on him. And we said that when it happened, right? Like we we said that it just still sort of kills me because you see how good he is in the ring. And he's always been that good. But yeah. maybe, you know, because Jay did get his sort of solo time, it sort of overshadowed Mark a little bit. But you're seeing it now, which is great he's getting to shine by himself, uh, unfortunately, because Jay's not here. Um, but I thought that match was a lot of fun and a good buy-in match. You know, I was surprised they only had one buy-in match, but it was good enough. Yeah. Also like no Jade Cargill on this pay-per-view and no other women's match is kind of like you had room in this pre-show to do something. I did really like RJ city and Renee Paquette. Like I thought that was a fun Felt yes. like a pre-show. That was I really liked the format of it. This match was really good. I really liked the way it got set up. I can't remember if that was Rampage or Dynamite, but Mark Briscoe with the saying that, you know, he was on the mat and he looked up for his brother and he wasn't there. But then his heart being warmed by the Lucha Brothers, like seeing two other brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, in one promo, just like ripping my heart out. And kudos to Mark Briscoe for getting in the ring with people that aren't his brother, because that's just never been the case right. before. So, but I mean, if there is ever someone you need to just put in like a, hey, we need to heat up the pay-per-view match. The Lucha Brothers are always going to deliver something extremely entertaining. Right. And you're throwing Mark Briscoe in that picture. Like, of course, uh, super, super fun opener. And also like a good, did the job. I don't think necessarily probably of selling the pay-per-view, but did the job of like, I'm warmed up. I'm ready to go, ready yep. to watch some. But yeah, I, I also, I really loved Renee and RJ City. I thought that was a really fun, different twist that they put on it. Yeah, and and your point too about maybe having another women's match somewhere in here. I mean, again, I think we had talked about last week was like you had to sort of keep the main card of this pay-per-view somewhat limited because you knew you had 60 minutes to close it out, right? So it's like you can't cram a ton of stuff in, which is why I think they did the ladder match on TV, you know, like normally that would have been during the pay-per-view. Sure. Um I do think they should have slid a, a women's match into the buy-in. I actually thought maybe that's where they'd put in like Britt Baker versus Tony Storm because they were sort of brawling, you know, um, on TV, um, you know, prior to the pay-per-view. And we knew Britt wasn't on the card. So I, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this is where they slide Britt in. I didn't think they were going to do anything with Jade because they just don't know what's going on with Jade. I mean, we'll see next week. 
Well, I thought they might have with Jade just because of one, her matches are always super short, right? Mm-hmm. Like she could have just mm-hmm. smushed someone and two. Tony Kanda said that the purpose of the buy-in match is to sell the pay-per-view. And if you're casual and you see Jade Cargill, you're like, holy sure. shit. Yeah, I'm I'm bought in on that person. So even just from the perspective of it would have only taken up three more minutes or whatever. I thought they would have done that. And you'd have both of your women's champions on the show. So uh, was kind of weird that they didn't do that, but there's always going to be complaints I have about what they don't do, especially in the women's division. What they did do with a lot of this card was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Uh, It's just, um, You know, I think that if you're going to do a buy-in show to sell the pay-per-view, you should do more than one match. But I wasn't disappointed, to your point, because of what they were doing with Renee and RJ City was very good. Um, I thought it was just really well done. Um, I also thought they might have done Stokely and Hook on the... I thought that would have been such like a Yeah, I forgot about that. You're right, yeah. (laughs) That would have been a great great move, but... But this was was perfectly... Perfectly perfectly fine. fine. Perfectly fine. Um... So uh, we opened up the card with Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho and Starks wound up defeating Jericho. And now Starks is going to be moving on. We get a look at what Starks is going to maybe be doing on Dynamite tonight. So we will definitely get there. A good match out of Starks. He gets his first pay-per-view win. Um, And, um, you know, it opens the night. So a lot of eyeballs on on him. I thought uh, it was a good match and it wrapped that story up. So clearly like Starks is moved on and it's what we all wanted. So, um, you know, even if, even if something happened where, you know, Jericho won, I think that would have wrapped the story. So um, glad Jericho didn't win. And in the post in the media scrum, you know, uh, the nice thing, Kate is we got sort of the post reasoning of like why Starks wanted this match, right? Like he said it in the scrum where it was like, I knew that if I defeated Jericho again, I put myself immediately into the picture for a potential title shot. Because if you beat an ex-champion once, that's pretty good. But if you beat him twice, you're worth another shot. You know what I mean? So I wish we had gotten that before, but at the same time, I'm like, well, it sort of makes sense that he didn't give that reasoning because you know, maybe he didn't want to let Jericho in on his thought. I don't know. But either way, we finally got a reason. We did. Similarly, I wish it was on the build. I thought the match was great. I thought it was a really good match from Jericho, too. Like, ring-wise, mm-hmm. really good storytelling. My only complaint was... Uh, it was pretty minor, but Sammy Guevara was the one to come down to the ring. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that means they're going to set up action Andretti versus Sammy Guevara. So that makes sense. But it also was like, hey, there was no consequence for your stipulation. Ring and the I bell. Also, that should have been it. That should have been it. Yeah. And I, I think. Um... Oh, sorry. My camera glitched. No, you're good. I, I turned into House of Black there for a second. <laughs> I think uh, it also took the like Jericho could have looked really clever if you had sent in somebody else. You know what I mean? He's like, ah, my guys are banned from ringside, but I always have an ace up my sleeve. Like he looks smart. Or if he's like JS can't be here, but Floyd can like, if it was a different mechanism, but it was just Sammy Guevara and there were no consequences for his actions, except for the action of action and ready. Right. But other than that, 
absolutely the right choice to open the pay-per-view if you're going to have Ricky go over there. And I'm glad Jericho didn't win because then it would have been one-on-one, so we would have handed this to three and whatever. But this was really encouraging. And Ricky is just over like Rover, man. Good shit. Mm -hmm. Very good. Good showing out of Ricky. We got Jungle Boy defeating Christian Cage in a final, uh, whatever they called it, final Final burial. burial. Mm -hmm. um, Which was a very late stipulation put on that. um, Because I think originally what they had said was it was a no-holds-barred, and then they changed it like Friday to a final burial. So I think we knew sort of what was coming. I think the coolest part about the whole thing was when he slammed the lid shut and the casket dropped. dropped. That was fucking awesome looking. Um, The only beef I had was, um, and I saw a couple other people say it, wish they had a better camera angle of uh, when Christian got thrown into the casket and then, Jungle Boy crossed his hands over and gave him a kiss on the forehead. Like, <laughs> I wish we had a better angle because that told a little bit of a story. But either way, him slamming that casket shut and dropping was good. And also, uh, you just got to love the fucking troll Christian wearing that fucking turtleneck sleeveless turtleneck during that whole match. I was just going to ask if Gina was still in the chat because we know she has a crush on Christian. Mm-hmm. And his fashion has been impeccable. Sleeveless turtleneck wrestling was an interesting choice, and I would love to know her thoughts. But this match was a whole heck of a lot of fun. It was the right length, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And the, the like, to your point, the casket dropping was so cool. And my only nitpick with that was, I just wish they had explained what the, what they were like, it's a final burial match, which means, like, you should have just kind of cleared the air on what it means. Right. Um, but it ended up being just fine. There were just so many people that were like, oh shit, is this Christian's last match at AEW? <laughs> like a final burial match. Like no right. way JB's losing it, but match itself was great. Great to see Christian back. Glad they'll be moving on from this. Trying to see what's next from Jungle Boy, but I've loved this heel run from Christian. I think it's been really fun. Yeah, the only, the only you know, kind of shitty part of what we've gotten out of Christian was he was hurt for so long. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he was he was on a great run and then he hurt his elbow or shoulder. I think it was his elbow. Uh, and then um, he was out for months and it just sort of like stalled that whole thing. Um, I now never need to hear anybody talk about Jungle Boy's dad being Luke Perry ever again. Very true. We got to find new material. <laughs> very true. And I, I did love Christian too, like making eyes at Jungle Boy's family. Uh, you know, like his mom and his right. sister sitting ringside. Just fantastic. Great heel work. Um, after this, we had the House of Black defeating the Elite f- to become the new AEW Trio champions. Um, I had no problem with this. I think we all knew that or had a feeling this is where this was going to go had we not had Brawl Out happen and there be a long, um, you know, uh, suspension. Um, but uh, listen, they're there. House of Black is fucking awesome. Um, they're all very unique in their own style, but they work very well together. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and the elite are just the elite. You know what I mean? Like it's Kenny, it's the bucks. We know what they're going to do. And this match I think delivered, it's going to be interesting to see where the bucks and Kenny go. Now we get a picture. We'll talk about when we get the dynamite. Um, but I thought this match was great. And, um, yeah, it went the way it needed to go. Uh, hot take. I think Kenny Omega is pretty good at this wrestling thing. 
Oh, that is a hot take. It's a hot one. He was fantastic in this. He had one of the best cells in the whole wide world where, like, he was doing the uh, Mortal Kombat thing where it's like yes. his legs went out under him <laughs> after. Yep. Uh, and by God, that knee from Buddy Matthews was incredible. Buddy Matthews also has a great V trigger. But, like, the spot, was it Matt or Nick who took that knee off, like, coming down next to the rope? It was right, right at the finish. Yeah, I think, I think it was Matt, but I can't. Remember. God bless him that he lived to tell the story because that knee strike just, yeah, boom. Um, just love House of Black. Love the diversity between all three competitors and what their strengths are. Brody King is just like the most badass looking motherfucker in the world. This match was a whole bunch of fun, and I agree with you; it was the right call. And I think. This was a situation where it was really good that so much went into the chase because I didn't think it was going to be a long title run. So doing the best of seven feels like it pays off more in a sense because they did so much with those belts or going into having those belts that it was like such a showcase of trio's excellence that it almost didn't matter how short the run was. And they did really great work when they had the belts with top flight and whatever. But uh, this was definitely the right call. Strike while the iron's hot. The elite don't really lose anything from this. And it's going to be interesting to see where the story goes. Yeah. And um, Cabbage Sensei said in the chat, it was Nick. I had it mixed up. Nick took the knee because Matt took the pin. So I just had it reversed. Got it. But yeah, fantastic uh, match. The ending was great. Um, Yeah. Nothing else to say about that. We moved on to the, the women's match. Uh, the triple threat, Jamie Hayter versus Ruby Soho versus Soraya. Uh, I don't think it surprised anybody that um, Jamie Hayter uh, defeated both Ruby Soho and Soraya. Uh, now, I think we all sort of said it could honestly go any way here. Like there would have been outs to any sort of story had anybody else won. But we did get the big payoff because post-match Ruby Soho did turn on the AEW originals, quote unquote. And she has now sided with Soraya and, um, and Tony storm, the, uh, imports, uh, from the outside world. So we do get into that tonight. We will certainly talk about that, but again, a match where it's like so much could go wrong because it's a triple threat match. Things could be clunky and stuff like that. I thought this was done very well. Something that I had said to to Millionaire Matt as we were watching in my living room, I said, what sort of makes Soraya great is the fact that even when she does something so simple, like where she's got somebody between the ropes and she's on the apron and she's just throwing those knees into their chest. Yes. The way she whips her head back and forth to make it look super impactful, it's just something that maybe you don't even think about right but it makes it look really violent and a lot of other ladies don't necessarily do stuff like that even a lot of guys don't do stuff like that Mm -hmm. just something very simple that she's really good at just making her her moves look like they're they're getting sort of maximum you know um you know, violence, uh, you know, to her moves. I thought it was done really well. The post-match stuff I think was also handled really well because it could have gone either way. Like we weren't necessarily sure when Ruby was sort of sitting in the corner, like what the hell am I doing? She could have easily stayed with the originals, 
decided not to. I think this was the way you needed to go because I think Ruby needs a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something injected into her character. And we'll talk about that when we get to tonight, because I think it worked. I think parts of tonight worked. Other parts, not as much. But I, this isn't my favorite option, but I don't think it was bad. First of all, the match was great. Jamie Hater, dude. Like, she don't give a fuck. She lays her shit in hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> real, real hard. Um, I know there were a lot of people who thought that Ruby was added to this to take the pin, and she kind of was. Couple nitpicks with it. Um, the first is I think there was an opportunity to give Ruby a really short title reign, but have her win here, and then both sides are vying for the champion to be on their team. I think. If, if I was going to book it, that's the story I would have gone with. Like this woman who's been her own self this whole time just won the title. And now both sides are clamoring to have her because she's your champ. Um, if you were going to have her turn heel, there was, for me, a little bit of a disconnect between, um, hey, the I, I got pinned by Jamie Hayter and therefore I'm joining the bad girls. I think it would have made way more sense if Ruby turned during the match and then Soraya won. And then it's like the bad girls have all this momentum as opposed to like, hey, you just pinned me so I'm going to go join all these losers. (laughs) Felt a little stilted. I think something just got lost in translation of the idea that she's like pissed Jamie beat her. And we didn't get the promo that we got tonight in that moment. So in that moment, I was like, it was kind of weird that you got pinned and were like, well, I'm going to go join the people who also didn't win. And that makes sense. But I think it's good that they're pushing things along, that they're making payoffs in the story. I prefer Ruby as a face, but I just really like rooting for her. And I find her incredibly uh, charismatic and magnetic in persona. But I am leaving room for it because I think, I think we're seeing a lot of positive momentum in the women's division even if i don't love the way everything's executed like there there's stories here and we're on the road to what certainly feels like blood and guts so if you had said a year ago that was going to happen i would have laughed at you right like yeah yeah (laughs) but i but i i will say this because we'll talk about the you know what we saw tonight out of ruby when we get to the second half but i think um i think what you're saying is you'd rather root for ruby right as a face works for her as a heel the other way because you want to root for her but you're not going to now because she's going to give you a reason not to so we'll we'll talk about it we'll dig a little deeper because she does give a lot of reasoning go ahead sorry no i just also think when she turned heel i was like i wonder if they're gonna set up her and statlander for for something either jade's title right now or whatever but it feel the timing of it feels like they want to go back and tap on what they had which I, that I can't argue with at all. That was one of my favorite matches that they've ever done. And I would love to see them run it back. I think they will. And we'll definitely talk about it. Yeah. Um, after that, we move to the um, Texas death match or just Texas death. Just uh, death. <laughs> just death. <laughs> you don't need match. It's just Texas death. Uh, Hangman page defeats John Moxley. Um, Listen, it had everything. So one thing that was discussed in the living room during the pay-per-view, it wasn't necessarily a traditional Texas death match, according to Millionaire Matt. Uh, They sort of changed a couple of the rules, Um, but it's 
it's uh it still worked for me right like they explained what it is it's you can't answer the count or it's a submission right there's no there's no pinfall so um i like the way that this played out uh we definitely saw a different side of hangman in this match it had everything that you could really ask for in a texas death match if you ask me i don't like a lot of deathmatch wrestling so i don't i didn't miss the light bulbs and stuff like that um but um you know the fucking fork getting stabbed into hangman's head repeatedly beautiful the barbed wire work was good uh the finisher the hangman wrapping the chain around moxley's neck and just wrenching it over the top rope to make Mox tap. Um, I just thought it was done well and a nice wrap up to this story, which is it or isn't it over? I don't know. We'll see. But I think this iteration of the story wrapping up was really nice. And Hangman delivered on exactly what he said. And um, all of the blood made sense in this match. <laughs> so, um, Jesus. Um, yeah. I will say, it was fun to see people finally clutching their pearls at, at the amount of blood that there was for the men. It wasn't just like, oh my God, Ruby's crimson face. There were a lot of guys out there on this one that were like, this is barbaric. Uh, I've been saying that I feel like they saw Swerve do the cinder block spot and were like, masonry is available for this now. I'm getting, blo- <laughs> I'm getting bricks. Right. I'm in. I don't know why it makes me cringe so much more when the bricks were vertical, but it just did. Yeah. Um, extremely violent, obviously, but I always feel like, and I like death matches a little more than you. I think I don't like death matches that are pure shock and awe. This one felt like the story was there the whole time. And the ending sequence was poetry, like hangman hitting the buckshot lariat that hard when he got concussed on the lariat. Which is like beautiful storytelling. And then he hung John Moxley, like hangman, hung someone. Yeah. And I love John Moxley being like, Can I breathe? Eh, no. Okay, I'm tapping. Like there was a an extremely specific, in my opinion, intentional move on John Moxley's part to be like, to show you my choices are to die or to tap. Otherwise, there's no way I'm tapping. Like he really wiggled the chain and was like, No, nah, I'll die if I don't tap right now. Right. But I, I felt like that was just brilliant storytelling and really important because John Moxley doesn't tap out. This was phenomenal. It was awful. So it was great. Like I there were right. so many sincerely uncomfortable moments, but the scariest the scariest one was well, there were two. When Hangman just ran at him with a brick, I was like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like he just like <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And then uh, it wasn't even like a deathmatch spot. It was when the two chairs were like angled in and oh, Mox God. came down and I was like, I he was inches away from paralyzing himself. I felt like like his spine was very close to the the steeple that that made, but he was a couple yeah. inches off center. So thank goodness. But I was like, it's always those spots, right? It was like Anna yeah. Jay got taken out on the, the power bomb and none of the stuff that looks super violent. But I like that it felt warranted. Like it felt like, it got this violent because it got this personal and hangman going over is definitely the right call because it felt like his character needed something to prove. Like they're both well positioned on the card, but his character needing to not let his 
anxiety, depression, other people get in the way or whatever. Like this was a breakthrough moment for the character of Hangman. So love, love, love this. This might've been my favorite story that we had built going into it. And I thought it paid right. off beautifully. I will say that chair spot you mentioned um, in the moment, I think we were both like, Oh, he missed it. But in retrospect, I'm like, thank God he missed it because would you wouldn't have, have been, a spine. <laughs> that would have been so bad. Um, the other thing is, I really I wish not because I wanted to see it, but I wish somebody just chucked one of those bricks. But, you know, like you can't throw a brick because if it misses and it goes into the crowd, you're fucked. Yeah, that but would like be that would have been like ridiculous. The other thing, too, that I saw people. um I saw people, I think, sort of complaining or nitpicking about, but I didn't mind it, was that when Moxley goes over the top rope with the chain around his neck and Hangman starts to hang him, um, Moxley's feet were just were still touching the floor. Um, so like he could have technically still sort of been standing on the floor. Now, here's why I didn't mind that, because he wasn't flat footed. He was sort of just touching with the balls of his feet or like his toes. And Hangman was still wrenching him up. He was trying to drag himself across the ring to get him off the ground. But you could tell like that Moxley, like in my in my opinion, Moxley didn't have. I mean, just think about yourself where you've been, you know, you're trying to reach the floor or something and you can't. You know what I mean? Like you can't keep yourself up or you can't get down to something and like you're not touching the floor like that's the scariest shit ever to me you know what i mean so like to me i didn't find it a problem because it wasn't like he was standing on the floor he was dangling just the floor was just out of reach and i think to me that's sort of another piece of sort of the poetry of it is like he was like centimeters away yeah. from being able to get out of that and couldn't so i didn't mind it people i saw nitpicking it but i didn't i thought it was done perfectly fine i don't mind it for two reasons the first one being if you've been through what you've been through at that point in the match and you're getting choked out you're not there's not all the oxygen's not flowing to your brain you're mm -hmm. not thinking properly so you're not getting your balance the other thing is I don't actually want to see John Moxley get hanged. I don't know if you can safely do that spot, the condition they were in and not have him touching the ground in some way without actually putting his life in danger. I will never knock anything that is for safety reasons. I know Ryan's not here tonight, but he's really big on that too of like, I, I had bigger qualms with it when Jericho landed on that nice sort of mattress below <laughs> below right. him when they pushed him off the top of the cage but ryan had a fair point in that of i will never knock something that looks cheesy if it's for safety i think they could have done a better job and still been safe but this is one of those things where it's a risk reward of like are you really gonna risk john moxley like sincerely getting really hurt or worse because right nerds on the internet like us are like in eh, his feet we're touching the ground most of the way like you just can't you can't take that risk yeah, especially when no you've problem. been through as much as you have already in that match that was crazy absolutely we move on to uh the tnt title match wardlow defeats samoa joe uh and uh I, I was a little surprised because of what we got to tonight uh and we will talk about the match tonight where Whoever won this match was going to have to defend it against uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. So 
I honestly thought they were going to keep it on Joe and then Joe would maybe lose it to powerhouse hops tonight. So I didn't think Wardlow had a shot here, but Wardlow takes that title. And then, you know, hours later, it's stolen out of the back of his car. So sad. Yeah. So sad. Uh, But listen, I thought this match was exactly what everybody wanted. Big meaty men slapping meat. Right. And um, this world. It resolved sort of that story, or did it? We'll see. Um, but, you know, Samoa Joe, I think this had to happen because Samoa Joe's now got to focus on that television title, defending it at uh, at, at Ring of Honor's pay-per-view coming up. So, um, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with this. Uh, it could have gone either way. I would have been happy. But uh, a fun match. I love Ward, though. I fucking love Samoa Joe. Him doing the powerbomb symphony spot yep. to heal the crowd. And they didn't react at first. And he was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to get heat off this. Uh, was yeah. so, so, so great. I thought I thought Joe was going to retain. And then on the post show that I did the night of the pay-per-view, my co-host had said like, oh, Joe's going to cost Wardlow on Wednesday then. And they'll go over to our The two of them will go over to ROH and fight for Joe's remaining title. And then Hobbs will go over, but this thing with Joe and Wardlow will continue. And I was like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. And then we got what we got tonight instead, which was a choice. Sure. But the match in, in front of me that on Sunday was, was fantastic. Wardlow, there's things you should not be able to do at his size. Like, Oh yeah. The top of the rope stuff is crazy to me, but yeah. God, I just fucking love Samoa Joe as a heel. So fun. It and all him using Joe's move, too, to of tap course. him out was great. Yeah. Or f- have him fall asleep, rather. Yep, it was perfect. Uh, we go on to our uh, four-way match for the Tag Team Championships. The Guns wind up defeating the Acclaimed and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. And then the big news was that after the match, um, FTR comes out uh to basically you know challenge the guns you know they they basically make it known they're coming for those belts um i think everybody thought this was going to happen on wednesday this is the spot you want ftr to come back out into and we know now why orange cassidy and danhausen were put in that match because danhausen was a hundred percent eating the pin so (laughs) you know it's like um, but it was what was also nice is that Danhausen had a few moments to shine because he can wrestle, you know, like yes. I think people forget he can wrestle and he's pretty good at it. I think a lot of people, if you've only watched AEW and weren't that familiar with him before, you didn't know that because he's always doing silly stuff, but he, he, he can wrestle. Uh, this was dumb. I, I, this is the only thing on the pay-per-view. I was like, I don't, I actively disliked it. Uh, I feel like there were two people that could actually really go and Jay lethal's all right. Um, but I was like, if it's not bones and orange Cassidy, I'm not very interested right now. FDR coming back is great. I- I'm a little confused about why you didn't have them there Wednesday to sell the pay-per-view. I feel like their presence would make you buy They're They're big enough in wrestling worlds that I think you could have sold tickets if, if people knew they were going to be there. But they don't like doing multi-man matches, so maybe they were doing FTR a favor in that sense. But this match was stupid. The post-match is great. Thank God FTR is back. 
I had heard the booking idea that they would bring back FTR heel and he would be like, what the fuck have you done with our tag team division since we've been gone? All of you are trash. What is this four pack? This is a disaster. But they came back super baby face. Great stuff tonight. Very glad they're back. But holy fuck, let's move on because that was dumb what they did for the past couple months. <laughs> but, I, but I will say this. There were very nice moments in this match. It wasn't a fucking dumpster fire. Like it, the stories that they sort of weave together with the guns and Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal having this sort of like partnership um, worked. And then that clearly broke down. Like they clearly turned on that. And I think that there were moments of this match that worked. The choices getting to this match, you know, that they made in the booking were obviously questionable, but I think the final product we got, sort of worked again if it just was a complete shit show it would have been just what the fuck are we doing it wasn't it was a serviceable match and i think it was the right place on the card because you went from something super heavy like hangman adam page and moxley into the wardlow samoa joe which was going to be a, a super heavy match into something like this and then you went to the 60 minute iron man so i think this was the actual good place for it sort of something a little bit lighter you know, a lot of stuff going on. And then you had the pop with FTR. So I, I didn't necessarily mind it. I get what you're saying, Kate. You weren't into this at all. Totally understandable. But, but it, it was boring, not bad. I could agree with you on that. Like, I was not interested in it, but it, right. that doesn't mean it was a an actively, like, awful match or anything. Yeah, and and the the guns can wrestle. They really can. So it wasn't like you just had, you know, guys awesome who can't game. wrestle. What? Austin can. I don't know about Colton, man. <laughs> for, but they they can show. they can hang. It's not like they can't. I mean, we've seen people who can't hang. You know what I mean? Like, and they they stayed in this match. Um, Mark Bordeaux, for instance. Uh, yes. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I was a. Um, I also thought it was smart to have FTR come out here because. Like, my heart wanted CMFTR, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I was like, he's injured and I don't, I, if it happens, cool. But when it didn't happen in the trios match, I didn't think it was going to happen. And then FTR coming back here made me be like, okay, Punk's definitely not showing up tonight because I don't think he's coming for the main title picture this early in MJF's reign. And FTR yeah. just said, we're in the tag division, not the trios division. So to me, that was also like, for some people, like a good alleviating the balloon there were definitely people that still thought CM Punk was coming out, but I think once we got to the main event that we'll talk about, nobody gave a shit about CM Punk for those 60 minutes. Not even no. me, the biggest punk mark in the world. I didn't think about him once because that match was art. Yeah, I mean, the only match left on the card was MJF, Brian Danielson, 60 minute Iron Man match. Um, and we'll talk about the, you have to talk about the main match first because it did go the limit and it went three to three. And some of the things I loved about this, but also sort of hated at the same time. And I'll tell you why I loved the sequence. Uh, and they did a pretty good job at the start of this match, basically giving you the details, right? 60 minutes, as many pinfalls as you can get. No breaks between pinfalls. Love that. So yes, that was fantastic. And that, that is why I love this spot where MJF was down one nothing, and then he hits Danielson with the low blow, 
Danielson goes down and he's able to pin him twice. Now, here's what we sort of got confused about on the couch in the living room is they put the graphic up and it said Danielson 02, right? Like, so Danielson, they gave an extra point to and me and Millionaire Matt said, oh, they fucked up the graphic. They got to change the graphic. And then MJF gets his two pinfalls and it came up two to two. And we were like, well, they still didn't fix the graphic. It took us a few minutes to realize. And that's when commentary sort of commented that what happened was that second Danielson, you know, pinfall, quote unquote, was due to disqualification because of that low blow. So what what I loved about it was the smarts of the heel to give one up to get two and even yes. up the score. What need needed to be done better, and it needs to with AEW, we're critical of them as much as we like the product at, at times. What they need to do better at all times, and this was definitely a time you need to be better, was commentary needs to be quicker with the explanation. Because even what Bryce Remsburg was doing in the ring with his hand signals made it seem like not a, you know, he was signaling like one, 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 one. Like it wasn't clear that that's what had happened was that it got awarded to Danielson. So commentary sort of was late to the party in explaining everything that happened because they were already two, two and into the next pinfall. You know what I mean? So that was my only beef with that. Um, so I guess maybe let's just pause it there for a minute, Kate. Through the main 60 minutes, uh, what did you think of that match? Well, I mean, Brian Danielson's my favorite Iron Man performer of all time. I can confidently say that now. I don't even really like Iron Man matches, I, but the Hangman one I thought was unbelievable, and this was one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, this was the most complete performance I think we've seen out of MJF. I loved his match with Darby at full gear two years ago. I loved the dog collar match. This environment was set up to show off every dimension of MJF. And it worked extremely well. I didn't have a pet peeve about this, but then my co-host pointed it out after the pay-per-view. <laughs> and now I've received it. <laughs> Much like Matt and his top rope battle royal pet peeve that I inherited. Mm -hmm. Um... The water bottle stuff. I'm not talking about the kid. That was yep. unfortunate. I mean, Him, you just mentioned it. I fucking loved that. I, I mean, I get why you don't love it, but I fucking, that was fantastic heel work. I mean, nobody else is going to do that except MJF. I, it's way more unfortunate that it was alcohol. Like that. <laughs> well, yes, and I'm, that's very unfortunate. I'm going to guess that he probably didn't know it was alcohol. No, he oh, we just thought not. it was water. But it's I mean, weird. I just when I say I loved it, I love the fact that he took a cup of liquid and just was like, "Oh, I'm not going to dump it on the adult. I'm going to dump it on the kid sitting right next to the adult." Like what I a shit heel thing to do. It is a shit heel thing to do. I think you gotta. I love old school heel heat. You got to adapt to the area you're in. I, th I think that wasn't a good call. But my bigger thing is what mm -hmm. arena is selling big gulps of tequila? That looks yeah. like a cup of water. It How did. much tequila was mom drinking? But and I am was, glad that it they... Was, uh, it was, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, silver, right? <laughs> it was. 
She was probably as pissed at that it happened to her kid as she was of like that was eighty dollars tequila. I was just yeah, thinking. the hell. She's so mad. Um, the the water coming into play. I think it was supposed to come across as um like MJF couldn't keep up and he was like drinking all this water and Danielson was like, uh, let's keep going. I'm fine. My co-host was like, I kept waiting for the swerve of he's going through all this water. And then like one of his water bottles is actually rubbing alcohol or whatever. Cause Bryce was so good at can't use a belt, took away the diamond ring. He was like, it, it felt almost like they were, he was waiting for a payoff that didn't come. And I think MJF was just telling a story of like, I have to keep drinking all this water. I love Taz saying that you shouldn't be chugging water because it, it's it's actually worse for you. You're supposed yep, to like yep. put it in your mouth and spit it out. I loved the entrances where MJF comes in with his mask and the violinists and this vibrato. And I, I felt like I saw this look on Danielson's face that was so dismissive of like, I don't care, get in the ring, let's fight. Like the the facial expressions from Danielson were unbelievable. So many spots in this were so great. My thing with the no breaks, which I also loved, is while it's a chicken shit heel thing to capitalize the way MJF does, it's also a smart face thing to try and capitalize. And we didn't see Danielson do it, which I feel like he at least should have tried for because it's just smart. It's just using the rules to your advantage. It's not breaking them. Um, Bryce Remsburg was, I, I feel like unbelievable in this match, like to be that attentive of a referee for an hour and make everything work and make sense was great. And the way that he wouldn't let MJF cheat, I thought was really well done. It was not over the top for his position, but he was very much drawing a line of like, that's not how you're doing it. Love the oxygen spot. Brilliant. Um, so that so let's let's pause there because you're getting into the the getting to, yeah to the, the next part because I do want to talk about all that stuff too so so just we'll pause there and then we'll let you continue so just for those who don't know three three they called the match they said it's a draw MJF retains and the crowd boos and then we hear Tony Schiavone talking in his mic yeah okay blah 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 and then he comes down to the ring and they say. Tony Khan won't allow this. We're going to go to a sudden death overtime, of course. So um, that's when they had jumped in the ring. They were giving water and oxygen to both the competitors. Um, and then it was that- kind of didn't need it. Like, I loved right. that shit. Right. And MJF is just sucking oxygen. And then when they say sudden death, MJF is going, no, 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 no. Like, nope, it's over. They called it. It's over. So that's he would what retain. I love. In right that situation right and it's what like- i loved was that's when he got desperate he grabbed the belt and that's when remsburg s- said nope if you're not going to do it because you'll get disqualified you'll lose this belt that's a that's a fall so he, you could hear him saying go ahead if you want to go ahead do it you're gonna lose go ahead and he didn't do it and then he sneaks the ring on his finger and he tries to sneak a win that way doesn't happen what I loved then was the camera shot of MJF and you could see his hand up with the ring. And normally like you, we say like, come on, how does the referee not see this? Well, what was so great was that that camera angle, you just see Bryce Remsburg hands come in, grab (laughs) the ring and take it off. Like it was perfect. That was excellent. And then 
Like you said, the oxygen tank was sitting there. MJF is able to use it. Now, what I liked was the fact that that wasn't the pin. That like he didn't hit him with the tank and then pin him, and that was the end of the match. He hit him with the tank and then put him in a submission, and Danielson fought out of it and then couldn't fight out of it and tapped. So it's sort of like I saw a lot of differing opinions. I saw a lot of people saying, man, what the fuck? He did it with the oxygen tank. And I saw a lot of people saying, dude, he tapped him with his own, you know, submission. Like, good luck. Yeah, the oxygen tank got him into that position. But in my opinion, it's not the reason he won. Because Danielson was fighting out of it. It it didn't put him down where I feel like in the past we might have seen a spot where he hits him with the tank, he rolls him over, pins him, that's the end, right? Um, not but, Brian Danielson, though, right? Like, no. That's the story we're telling. And what I love about all of that is the fact that, and even the, the low blow that resulted in, in the disqualified pinfall and the two quick pins by MJF, was the fact that MJF delivered on exactly what he said every single time. I'm going to cheat. I don't give a shit. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to win. And you can't do anything about it. And he did what he said. I I fucking loved this. The only other beef I'll ha- I have for you, Kate, and we both sort of said it sitting in the living room, is when they started the match, uh, they had the clock up and then they pulled the clock away. And they pulled it back in, you know, like it was something Matt said that made total sense. And I agreed is the clock naturally builds tension. So even if you're not going to have it on the screen for us at home, it should be somewhere for the crowd to see. And from what we could see from the camera shots moving around, we didn't see a clock anywhere live in that arena. So it could have helped build that level of tension had they done that. Maybe if they do another one of these somewhere down the line, because I don't think they need to run 60-minute Ironman matches every fucking pay-per-view. But if they decide a year and a half from now to do another one of these with somebody else, that should be something that they implement, either for us at home to have the clock or for people in the arena to have the clock. But that's a nitpick, if you ask me. This match held up, and it held my attention the whole time like i didn't know which way this was gonna go i really didn't i went into it being like mjf's gonna win but there's a possibility danielson might and then in the match there were a couple of hope spots that i really bit at really really bit at loved in the the initial match too by the way something i forgot mjf being basically crying and danielson laughing was unbelievable storytelling Mm-hmm. In the second piece of the match, also loved this. Bryce Remsburg called the match. He did not look like a fucking idiot and say, it's a draw. What do I do? He said, this is the end of the match. Because yep. it's 3-3 three, three tie. This is the end of the match. And then Tony he got the delivered belt. the edict. But yep. he did not. It was not a, what do we do? He's a referee. He knows what the fuck happens in that situation. Really good shit. The oxygen mask, I think, or the oxygen tank, I thought was really well done. Bryce Remsburg couldn't see it. Danielson was going underneath to get MJF back into the ring because if MJF is out of the ring, Danielson can't win the championship, right? So Bryce can't see it. MJF clocks him in the head. The ending I loved. The LaBelle lock transition was perfect. One of the best LaBelle lock transitions you'll ever see. 
Bob Danielson not tapping the first time. MJF goes for it the second time and Danielson taps. MJF clean beating Danielson doesn't work for me. Sorry. Like the story of him not being able to cheat and being panicked by that and then being clever enough to find a way to cheat and Danielson and taking an oxygen tank to knock him out to beat him is a way better story than MJF just beating Brian Danielson, who's legitimately the best wrestler in the world. It should take something monumental like hitting him in the head with an oxygen tank to beat him. And because Danielson's a tough son of a bitch, he still had to lock in the finish twice. I loved it. I thought it was super, super well done. That LaBelle lock was great from MJF. I un, Art, art you'll never see it again. Mm-hmm. An unrepeatable performance. Brilliantly done. A huge showcase for MJF. A phenomenal performance from Brian Danielson. To your point, it was, it was a little slower in the beginning, like all Iron Man matches are, because duh. Um, but, like, I was not bored for a second of it. And for, I, there's very few things that I can do for a full hour and not be bored. Like, never mind watching a wrestling match. There was not a beat of this to, that did not feel like they were telling a story here. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And uh, that ended the pay-per-view. Um, but obviously they do their media scrums afterwards. Um, if you haven't seen it, you know, fine. You're not a nerd. I will say this. Uh, I always watch it because I'm a nerd. Um, sure. You should 100% watch at least the first half hour of that media scrum that involves MJF. It it just shows you how great he is at fucking professional wrestling and living the fucking kayfabe, man. He came out with a crutch with bandages. He fucking trolled CM Punk. He had his pickles with him and he's eating pickles. Um, I'm the best on the microphone in that ring, even at press conferences. Yep. Scorpsing actually sincerely loved him explaining the knee thing because he's always selling the knee. And it's like, well, is that a nagging injury or not? And he explains back to his high school football days about his knee. Fucking great. Also showing up at the press conference injured with blood on your face. Like he was trolling CM Punk super hard, which makes it very, to me, a very interesting uh, absolutely possibility <laughs> absolutely and that's also where we um he he also I, i'm not gonna go through the whole thing go watch it but he did get asked about um throwing the at the time what everybody thought was water in the kid's face and he said the kid looked thirsty <laughs> but then tony khan was asked about it he did say uh um he did say uh we had a conversation the exact quote from tony was we had a conversation before we came up here a serious conversation and i mean that and it's not to be taken lightly the young man titus was a real pro about it and we'll see titus here again in a uh, in aew i believe titus is actually coming to sacramento but i was just with him and he was a real champ about it and you know the champion didn't act like a champion there but i think titus was great so it clearly wasn't planned i don't think tony was necessarily happy about it no. um but what do you expect out of a character like MJF? The other thing I loved about the um, the 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 press conference was he got asked about sort of like uh, who's next 
you know, and he started fucking running down a whole bunch of people in the locker room. Just fantastic. Again, you don't have to watch the whole media scrum. They We get a little bit from Ricky Starks. We get a little bit from Wardlow, and then they talk to Tony for the rest of the time. If you're going to watch anything with that media scrum, watch the portion with MJF from the time from the start to the time that he leaves the stage, um, because it was all fucking gold from MJF. He's the Kate for my money. He's the fucking best one doing it out there today. He's up there. He's up there. I still I'll buy into anything that Eddie Kingston is selling me. But MJF is is certainly unbelievable as far as the spot with the kid like. He shouldn't have done it, in my opinion. But I also feel like he's a 26-year-old wrestler who's pushing the envelope. There's going to be times where it's too much. There's going to be times where he's straddling the line. And there's going to be times where it feels lame because he came up short on something he was going for. Like, that's just the nature of the game that he's playing. So you got to have some grace around it. But um, but just really, 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 really good stuff. Really good stuff. So a fantastic pay-per-view in my Kate, if you had to actually give it a letter grade, what would you give it? Probably an A minus just because I, I mean that tag stuff could have ate shit. And (laughs) uh, I I would have rather seen, I I understand we got FTR, but I, I think you gotta, you gotta have your TBS champion on there too. Like that just feels like a, a miss. But, uh, I mean, everything that they gave me outside of the tag match was was fantastic. I'd say A minus because their A and A plus letters are very high. Yeah. <laughs> and almost I mean, unrepeatable. Like, you brought yeah. Danielson and Colin on one pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's going to be tough. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd give it the proper A because I didn't necessarily mind the tag stuff as much as you did. Uh, I just really thought everything they did made sense. It wasn't like anything that I saw. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Or like, right. why didn't we resolve this story? Like everything essentially was resolved um, that had led up to that point. Uh, so um, I thought it was excellent. Um, if you haven't seen it, you can certainly buy the replay. Uh, we don't get anything for that. So it's just <laughs> simply if you like good wrestling, you should actually go watch this uh, replay. Um, I certainly plan to go back and watch the replay at some point to see that 60 minute again. It was that good. I, I honestly want to see it again. I was thinking about it today. I was like, maybe I'll watch it. Um, There's so much we didn't even talk about. Like I was just thinking about MJF and his knee and how he like also targeted Danielson's shoulder the whole time. Like, yeah, just so good. Yeah. I mean, the story the whole way through just made sense. Everything, you know, the shoulder, obviously he was, he was working on that the whole way going into the match. You know, I mean, it was perfect. Um, So that's the pay-per-view. Tonight was the fallout on Dynamite. So what we're going to do, Kate, let's take a break so we can rehydrate, take a bathroom break, whatever. And then we're going to run through Dynamite um, because it was a pretty eventful episode of Dynamite. A couple of fun things that happened on the show. Uh, So why don't you sit back and listen to Kevin Rogue for seven minutes. Kevin Rogue for seven minutes. (laughs) No, hear about some of the other fine shows, including Kevin Rogue, that are part of the Shining Wizards Network. And we'll be right back to talk about Dynamite here on the Mark Order Podcast. 
like to thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Monday night to listen to The Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, Merch.ShiningWizards.com will take you to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash wizardspodcast where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive and believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web and make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. It doesn't cost you anything, helps us out and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is the Shining Wizards. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, bitch you, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. you like your music heavy then check out radioactive metal on the shining wizards network for over 16 years now radioactive metal has been one of the longest running podcasts over the years we've interviewed some legendary metal acts had some awesome discussions and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes so join your cool uncle snowy and his co-host aaron for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Well, the action is underway. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, 
Be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast. Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down under pounders that co-host Rogue Day Dots, an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're grumpy old men, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and when you get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off my lawn, asshole! We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there. I'm talking LJMs. I'm talking Jacks. I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulkaplex? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe. And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke Road. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. Well, we talk about good ones, too. We're currently talking about the death of WCW. I know what we're fucking talking about. Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That, uh, I like when they I like when they talk about the, the, the Nards Plows. I like Nards Plows. That's, uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes, sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite wrestling podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men. Duke Banks, Kevin Rowe. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right. And who better to talk about a man's sport than Duke Oklahoma. Once in a while, Vince Russo stops by. Oh, you piece of shit! If you're not listening to your Duke and Rogue podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of shit, I don't know what you're doing. It's, uh, you gotta slide one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something only a man can do. You're talking about sliding one in there. Bro, take the time to slide one in there. Alright, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. Gorilla Brained is right. Let me tell you. I've Let me tell gorilla, you, brother. I've got a Gorilla Brain right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Let's see. Uh, before we move on and talk about Dynamite, we want to just remind people 
that um, you can support us a couple different ways. Certainly find us, follow us on all of our socials at Mark Order Pod. And that's Twitter. it. That's the only way. No, Kate. No, 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 no. You can show your support a few different ways, because if you follow us on our social, that is certainly helpful. And we uh, appreciate that. But you can go in our bios to our link tree and you can get some free stickers. Uh, if you click the button, all you have to do is give us your name, your full mailing address, the country you live in and your email address, just in case I have questions about your address. <laughs> Um, and, uh, we will send you out some free Mark order podcast stickers. Kate, I sent some stickers to Texas and I have to send a couple stickers out to the land down under some Australia, mate. Was that our friends at the broadcast? I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't remember the name and I don't, uh, I'll have to double check who sent it in. I don't know if they're still in there, but they were in here before. So if you're still in here and they're your stickers that we're sending, let us know. Yeah. So for some of those international mailings, I like going to the post office to make sure I've put enough postage on. Because sure. one time I went in and I was like, yeah, this is going wherever it was. And they were like, yep, this is enough. And I was like, well, now I feel like a fucking idiot. But then another time I went in because I needed stamps anyway. And uh, I was like, oh, does this have enough postage? I'm like, no, not even close. I was like, okay, well, this is why we do these things. It's why I go into the post office and why my car gets hit when I go to the post oh, office. No, I forgot uh, you got punished for that. It's still not fixed. The fucking insurance is a fucking nightmare. Um, so anyway, that's it. the only two ways to follow to support us are stickers and social media. There's not a single other way that you can follow us or support us rather. So stickers, social well, media, and we'll move on with the show. Not well, a single thing that I can think of. Kate, I got news for you. What? If you've got some of your hard-earned dollars that you would like to send our way and show your support for the Mark Order podcast, we have our store up at Pro Wrestling Tees. Da, 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 da. There da, is da, a link da, da. in our link tree, so you can get there directly from there. Or you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Pod. Or if you just go to Pro Wrestling Tees and you're already in there, you can just search for Mark Order Podcast and it'll show up. And we have some nice shirts that you could get a couple front prints, a couple double sided for a couple bucks more. And you can show your support for the Mark Order Podcast at any time with one of our T-shirts. And we do thank anybody who uh, takes the time and spends their money to uh, support us by buying a t-shirt. Um, I uh, have to call some people still. Uh, we actually got uh, some uh, some people uh, ordered some shirts over the Merch Madness sale. All right. Uh, so I got to make some phone calls, but obviously Sunday was a busy day celebrating Mrs. Money and then having the pay-per-view, so I didn't have a chance to make some phone calls. So I got to be honest. Yeah. I got to get one of our shirts. Yeah, I, I don't didn't have one either. <laughs> I didn't know because you had our Christmas gifts. I was like, if he got us a shirt, I don't want to reorder the same shirt or anything. But you didn't, you got us action figures, which is awesome. But now that I know that that's what it is, I will order one of our shirts. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, Kate, just hold on it. We should have an internal discussion behind closed doors because we're probably we should probably do a bulk order no, and then right. we can just get our shirts that way. You know. I agree. Good thinking. Uh, so 
with all the business taken care of for the moment, why don't we talk about the fallout from Revolution on Dynamite? Uh, so uh, it had a lot to promise after such a great pay-per-view. Uh, and we had a match uh, start off the card tonight that was for the All-Atlantic Championship, which we got some news on the All-Atlantic Championship later in the night we'll talk about. But uh, it was Jay Lethal versus Orange Cassidy. Um, and honestly, when they announced it, I was like, all right, like, you know, I don't know. But, if I need, but yeah, you know, I don't know if I need to see it, but. It was a great I thought it was a great match. Um, I did like that before the match got underway um, as uh, Jay Lethal was making his way to the ring with his cronies, you know, Pat Buck and referees uh, came out to basically say, no, 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 no. Jeff Jarrett, Sanjay Dutt, Satnam Singh, you're going to the back. So it was an even match. Um, No uh, outside interference during the match. Cutting to the end here, Kate, Orange Cassidy does win by pinfall with the Orange Punch to retain the championship. Uh, Jay Lethal had gone for a lethal injection, but his arm gave out, so uh, Orange Cassidy was able to connect with the Orange Punch. Um, Lethal was clearly distraught after the match, so he went for Paul Walter Hauser's Golden Globe, but um, the referee was able to uh, stop him. It was Bryce Remsburg again. Bryce Remsburg, on top of his shit lately. The reliable um, referee of AEW. That's sure. right. Him and Aubrey. He, he is our guiding light uh, in, in AEW for referees who know their shit. Um, so he was able to actually get it off of uh, or, or, or see it happening and sort of send lethal up the ramp. But what he didn't see, what nobody could see coming was Jeff Jarrett sneaking in the back of the ring. And he's able to get behind Orange Cassidy. He does El Cabong him in the injured knee. Uh, and that basically, uh, you know, ends that segment. Uh, and we move on. So, again, Kate, sort of like a, a late, you know, add to the card. Something where it was like, you know, okay, cool. Like, I don't know, whatever. But it, I was very entertained at this opener. Um, and again, like Jay Lethal can wrestle. Orange Cassidy can wrestle. So like it was going to be a good match, you know, and it told a pretty good story The the injured arm, Orange Cassidy's knee, you know, they were kind of banged up from their match uh, at the pay-per-view. So I didn't have a problem with this. And then, you know, Jeff Jarrett, I always love seeing Jeff Jarrett on TV. If you want me to quit, just say so. Okay. <laughs> Match was really good. It felt different than their last one, so that was good. Uh, you deserve to have your arm go out if you're doing the lethal injection because it's stupid. There's no need to do a handspring into a cutter. That's dumb. It's categorically dumb. Uh, it's a bad finisher. So good. I'm glad your arm went out. It's karma for doing something stupid. <laughs> I loved the promo before this. I, I might have just been for social media, but Orange Cassidy goes, my backpack feels the same. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that was just so on social. He was so serious about it. My backpack feels the same. And then he did deli- I can't remember the rest of it, but it was a pretty good promo. Um, I can't believe we're going to get, I can't believe, but I'm just like, can't believe how much oxygen Jeff Jarrett takes up on my television every week. Just from the perspective of 
anybody of his age taking up this much energy in wrestling is a little much. But this was a really good match. Trying to kind of see what the end game is for this Orange Cassidy reign. It's It's been really good, but I think it's time to probably wind it down and have it move on. I'm sure with the big, very chaotic announcement that we got later. Yes, we will talk about that. Not dismissing the cocaine rumors. Uh, that mm-hmm. did not feel like a cohesive moment in life. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I also think the Golden Globe thing is stupid. Let it go at this point. Um, and I do think Jay Lethal should carry around a ukulele. <laughs> would it be so good? That so would much be better. fun. That would be fun. Yes, a big guitar and a little ukulele. Like, yeah. And then he hit someone with it, and they're just kind of like, ping. Right, yeah. All right. <laughs> that would be fun. Um. So uh, after this, we go. Uh, we get informed about the break-in that happened to Wardlow where he lost his gear, his boots, and the TNT championship belt. So they interview Powerhouse Hobbs backstage, and he says that would never have happened to him, but there's one thing Wardlow has that he doesn't, and that's the right to be called champion. And he's going to take that from him tonight. So we're just building to the match. And I'm not going to lie to you, Kate. A couple of things hit my brain in this moment. Wouldn't it be great if we found out that Hobbs stole the title to sort of like get into Wardlow's head? Stole his gear, stole his boots. The other thing that I sort of had in my brain was, wouldn't it be great if it was Samoa Joe? And now Samoa Joe's in Wordlow's head. And, uh, you know, maybe this is how we sort of get that three-way dance rematch for this title. But who knows? We, uh, it, what's, what's crazy is that um, it could be real. It could be fake. Like nobody necessarily knows. They're talking so much about it. I'm like, I think this is fake. But then I'm I like, think, I think there was a police report. So that would, yeah, that's usually the, the delineator. But I think it's smart. If you're going to put it out there, if it's public information, why not work it in? I cracked up because Samoa Joe tweets like every eight months or so. Yes. And he tweeted I saw like, it. uh, I think it's called a balakava. Like, yep. does anybody know how to get glass out of a balakava? Which is like yeah. the, the ski mask looking thing. Asking for a friend. I was like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, but you, yes, at this point in the episode, I was like, this is pretty good from from Hobbs. He was like, you had your whole life taken for you. I'm taking the one thing you have left. Thought this was good. Short and sweet. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Moving on to absolute Ricky Starks making his entrance to get on the mic. And he says he's done it all. He gets people asking him what's next. The truth is he's not really sure. But the question that weighs on his mind is not what he's do going to do, but where he's going to go. And that's when the Bullet Club graphic and music appears on the big screen. And we don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And then Juice Robinson attacks Starks from behind to lay him out. So it looks like Juice, the Juice is loose in the Bullet Club. I have no idea. Now, here's what I'll say to you, Kate. I I literally jumped out of my chair because I was like, oh, my God, like this could be huge. Now, I'm not going to lie. Having it be Juice, little bit of a letdown. But what I'll say is this. After that moment, what hit me was. This is actually a good thing for me um, because I think it opens the door 
right? The forbidden door, quote unquote, to other people related to the Bullet Club being able to come in and work or for Ricky Starks to go over and do some New Japan work. So listen, the big thing that's sort of out there that hasn't been said definitively is like, what about Forbidden Door 2? Right. So it's like, are we doing something with that? Are we not? Is are we expecting somebody with Bullet Club ties to sort of come over and get involved, you know, beyond juice? I don't know. But, you know, it's sort of an exciting prospect to see this flash up and have all these things run through your brain because they can go a thousand different ways now. I thought even outside of the Bullet Club graphic, I thought this was a very fun playbook that we don't see a lot from Tony Khan as far as setting up a match like this kind of uh it didn't feel like distraction oh my god his entrance music hit like it it felt like uh oh what the hell and then he turns around and juice was right there like it was very well executed and i feel like tony khan doesn't do it a lot so i liked that a lot uh finn or finn i'm thinking finn juice juice robinson has been great and and kind of sleeper great. Like he's put on a couple of really, really good matches since he's been in AEW. He just hasn't had like a cohesive storyline. So I, I'm excited to see it. I think him and Ricky will be, have really good chemistry just based on stylistic matchup. Now it's it is very interesting because Jay White has not we saw his loser leaves New Japan match with Eddie, mm-hmm. which was a fucking great match. And then um there's been no official declaration of where Jay White's going to go other than to Atlantic City and make Matt melt, uh, right. turn into a puddle. I the, mean, the same day it was announced his contract was up, it was the Saudi Arabia rumor broke. And there's, I think that makes you pause. And I, whether they're leaning into something or... They're setting up for Bindor too. I th- I think that's pretty fun because that's mm-hmm. that's what's kind of fun with the Bullet Club is it's this it's a pretty sprawling group and the members are changing like it's a it's a fun legacy that they have in wrestling. So it could go a bunch of dir- different directions and I don't think this is like the same as like a Mercedes felt to me where it was like a bait and switch. This just feels like a, that's a possibility and then there's like eight other possibilities, right? So. Right. I I dig it. I thought it was great and a fun way to set something up. And the other thing, too, to mention, because you brought up the switchblade, um, you know, as you said, nothing has been out there. There's a lot of rumor, as our pal Conrad says, a lot of rumor and innuendo out there. There's a lot of people who think he is going to go to the E. And if that's going to happen, it's surely going to happen around WrestleMania and not before. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't think we're going to get anything definitive until sort of like WrestleMania week, you know, weekend. Um, yeah, probably raw after Mania would be my guess. Right. And if he's going to show up, he's in the E, especially there's a couple ways they could go. You know, he could do something with Cody, but they'd have to moon shoot him. You know what I mean? And I don't know if they think he's worthy of being shot to the moon that quick. He could do something with the prince because there's that lineage, you know, of the Bullet Club. If he doesn't go to the E and he goes to AEW, I still think that they sort of would wait until that week 
to sort of reveal something in AEW because it would dominate a headline. You know what I mean? It would take some of the juice, no pun intended, out of the out of that news cycle. But it's um, it just it's fun because you don't know. Right. And like you said, with the way Bullet Club runs and the way that it's sort of spread out among different places. Yes, Juice is there. You know, Rock Hard mm-hmm. is is a member of the club. And um, so are many others who we've seen cross through the door of AEW and who are with Impact and mm-hmm. Forbidden Door is not off the table. And don't forget too, Ring of Honor has some sort of working relationship with New Japan. So and also who else is back? Yeah. So uh, Jesse Ozog asked in the chat, and I just want to be able to catch Jesse up to, to speed there that if you're not familiar with New Japan at the Bucks Elite Bullet Club and Cody, yeah, there was the them and Adam Cole was as well. So yes, uh, that was um, I was actually at the Hammerstein show the night that they super kicked Adam Cole out of the club. And they brought uh, he who shall not be named Marty Skrull into the club. <laughs> I mean, you named them, but yeah. well, you know. <laughs> could have been Voldemort. That's um, true. That's the only thing I know about Harry Potter, by the way, and it's really because of the fucking office. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I am excited to see where this goes. But I'm with you. Starks and Juice should put on some banger matches if they have multiple. Um, and I would assume that they're headed for a program. So that looks like it's going to be fun. Hell yeah. Uh, back from commercial, we see Wardlow, who is in a borrowed FTR shirt. He says, since he doesn't have his own gear, he wants to, wants the match. Uh, he wants, uh, the match to be sort of special. He wants a false count anywhere. Anything goes, uh, sort of match tonight. He's the champ and no man on earth will take that from him. So um, I did love that he was like, I got some buddies who uh, who lent me some clothes. So he was in that seven star FTR shirt. But I also like that they added that stipulation, right? It adds to sort of the heat behind the story. They do have that history, right, of that three way match and sort of Hobbs getting involved and costing, you know, the title uh, for Wardlow. So I think it was a good way to add a little bit of heat to this match and get people a little more involved. Also, just to bring in that realism of what happened the car being broke into um into into the show. So I didn't have a problem with this. Just again building to the main event uh for tonight. Yeah, this was this was really good. Uh the a uh, friends let me borrow the shirt and it being the rest of the pinnacle guys was the it being FTR was really fun, especially because they're both on the face side of things now. So right. super super fun and just loved uh the, the rest of that promo was pretty good. Wardlow's getting like more and more comfortable speaking and he's getting more broken in. He was just standing in the background for so long. For it's sure. so funny to think that most of his career he didn't speak until like the past year or so. Right. He was just a heater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally just standing there making facial expressions aside Jake Hager, like for right. so uh, so much of his career. <laughs> oh god, do you remember how good that was like when they went to Vegas and him and Hager were just staring at each other the whole time regardless of what they were doing. Him and Hager were always locked eyes, like and not sure of each other. usually in a shot. It was so, so funny. funny. Most I like Jake Hager ever. 
<laughs> I mean, what we got out of Jake Hager a little bit tonight was very funny. I, I really laughed hard. It was pretty all right. <laughs> um, so we go on to Renee Paquette in the ring and she calls out Ruby Soho to interview her before her match. And Ruby says she thinks it's pretty obvious why she joined up with Saray and Tony Storm and uh, says that we created the monster and that her very first title match was against Britt Baker. And when she lost, people were thrilled and fast forward, you know, past that to semifinals of the Owen Hart tournament where she faced another homegrown Chris Statlander. Remember after she beat Chris, she says they booed her out of the building. And I think that's true. Like people wanted to see Chris. Um, uh, and then we go to revolution when Jamie Hayter uh, pinned her in the middle of the ring. She realized that no one was ever going to come to her defense. No one was ever going to be mad when she lost and no one in AEW would ever appreciate her. But she's not the only one. Tony Storm came and was so unappreciated. She got called an interim champ. We all begged Saray to come out of retirement. And then all these, quote, fat neck bearded mouth breathing trolls came after her in a moment's notice. And they've been outcasts since the moment they came to AEW. They broke uh, the broken foundation is the entitled shits in the back. The rookies that think they deserve the world. So she wants to bring out her entitled rookie opponent, Sky Blue, to sort of make an example of her. So. They then go to the match and then um, Ruby wins by pinfall with a destination unknown post match. Saray and Tony Storm break out the spray paints, but Willow comes to make the save. And she's trying to talk sense into Ruby, but Tony and Saraya do a, a pincer move around the back and are able to take her down. Uh, no future. They spray paint both sky blue and poor Willow um, and then start to pose over them. So a couple things here, Kate. I did like the promo out of Ruby and she did get the reaction that you want, right? She got booed. She called the crowd, uh, you know, fat neck bearded mouth breathers, which drew the ire. Everything you want to see out of somebody who just turned heel and you want people to believe they're a heel. So I didn't have any problem with that. And I did sort of like how she pulled in the fact that, hey, Tony came in and got nothing from these fans and she's fucking great. And Soraya came and automatically like people were pissed like that stuff made sense. I also like during the match as it was getting started, that commentary sort of said there's a little revisionist history going on here because she was supported in the back. Like, you know, I sort of I, I really liked that. And then we got exactly what we thought out of the match. Um, the post-match stuff for me, Willow makes total sense. They were a team for a while. So this, this all worked for me. For me, I think this is why I am okay with Ruby being a heel. As long as she's not the heel we saw in the E where she was this cult, not cult leader, but like gang leader that really wasn't working. Um, if she's just supposed to be one of these like imports from a larger company um, who's saying like you people don't know like what this is, you know, what wrestling is and this division sucked and we're here to save it because we are wrestling like I'm all for it and I think it's going to work. And I think we're starting to sort of get the delineating lines of like who's going to be the faces against the heels. And I think, like you said before, we're heading for that blood and guts or we hope. 
we're heading for that female blood and guts. It does make me think, <clears throat> what was it specifically? There was something that made me feel like Thunder Rose is coming back on the other side. I forgot what in there kind of triggered that. Well, hmm. she did mention about Tony Storm being tagged in interim. That yeah. Well, and and I'm with you there. They didn't specifically say Thunder Rosa, but I have a feeling that if we get some more of these segments and Tony Storm starts to talk, that that will certainly come up, and that she'll make an appearance. I. So while I would have preferred Ruby stay face, that doesn't mean I feel like this was bad. The only things that kind of didn't work were I felt like everybody wanted her to win the Owen. <laughs> I feel like the Chris Statlander stuff was true. And I kind of wish she had leaned more into the reaction she got after the death match. Cause she was pretty outspoken about the fact that like, like if she had said like, I was, I was a bloody mess. I put every ounce I had into everything and people still all the mouth breathing neck beards, whatever still reacted. Like, I feel like that might've been just like a, an extra little layer loved the edge here. And what I really liked about it was the way this was rooted. My only issue kind of with this whole thing from the beginning was the outsiders almost like defending, not defending WWE honor, but a little bit. It was like Tony Storm walked out of WWE like flat out Ruby Soho was released. So it doesn't feel completely authentic in that way. Um, but what happened tonight turned it back around a little bit. Like it's less about that stuff and more about um, kind of everything that Ruby was saying. I, I, I dug what she was getting into tonight for the most part. I also liked the revisionist history thing on commentary of them saying, that's how the fans reacted, but that's not how the locker room reacted. It was really, really strong work from Excalibur. Gangbusters commentary desk with Taz out there. Yep. Um, God bless JR. I don't miss him. Um, this trio is really, really good. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I, it's, it's not my favorite way to tell the story that they're telling, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Like, I think it's pretty good and it's, it's productive for the women's division. I'll throw this at you. Mm -hmm. Alternate booking that got thrown at me that I really liked. Ruby or one of the bad girls dethrones Jade. Or, I'm sorry. The faces go and try and recruit Jade. They're like, we gotta get a day oneer. You're mm -hmm. a big, badass woman who could do some damage. And she's like, fuck you. I'm in this for me. What do I get out of being in that match? And then she loses her title to either Soraya, Tony, or Ruby. And then she's fucking pissed. So now she has a reason to join the other side. And you've resolved the Jade issue. And Jade is in that match and can do some really cool shit while kind of protecting where she's at in ring-wise. Like, she could just go throw bitches around in a match like that. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fun out. I still feel like they're waiting for for something else with Jade, but it, I really liked that idea of Jade being like, what do I have to gain? And then she drops her title, and now she's just like apoplectic and like, get me yeah. in that match, fuck all of them. But I still feel like it's going to be Thunder Rosa, but I liked that booking. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad way to go about it. And it would give Jade a little bit of face cred, but then she she'd still be you know, 
sort of like she could still be a heel. She's like, I'm doing this just now. And then it's back to business, bitches. You know what I mean? Like I'm coming back to, for what's mine, you know, like, yeah, I, I can get behind that. I have no yeah. problem with that. That'll work. She's one, too, that I feel like you're just tweaking the booking. She's so over as a face and people cheer for her that it's like, I don't think she's going to go through too much of a change when they face and he'll turn her. Yeah, I mean, she treads that line and does it well. So I'm with you. I think that would be a fun way to book it. You know, we'll see where they go. I, I think they definitely I think we're in agreement. They have to do some huge blow off. And I do like where they're going with this just because. With what they're doing, you have the ability to pull so many more women into the story, right? And get more people on onto this story than you would, you know, just having a bunch of like sort of singles, you know, feuds happening. So I like the way this is going. I just hope they get to the end point in a way that makes sense. And it seems like they, they're off to a, a pretty good start, you know? I don't know how far into the story they are, but if they're a quarter way of the way through, they're doing pretty well so far. So we'll take it. Definitely. And they were on TV before fucking nine o'clock. So also a good thing. That's becoming consistent, too. I like I it. I like it. Uh, Hangman Adam Page is interviewed backstage by Renee Paquette. He says he's been uh, better physically, but his soul and heart are doing just fine. And he did what he did on Sunday, not because he wanted to, but because he had to. And let that be a warning to anybody that might want to try him because he'll drag you through hell. And he apologizes to Renee for what uh, she had to see. And if she wants to blame somebody, don't look at him. After Sunday, he's finished with John Moxley and we go to break. So uh, Hangman definitely seeing the battle scars on Hangman. His eye looked really great tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the fact that there, he's like, I'm done with Mox. Like I'm moving on, you know, um, we'll talk about this a little later, but you know, I like this, uh, interview segment. We got a lot of hard edged hangman going into this and coming out of it. He's like, you know, I'm good. I did what I had to do. And, um, like I'm going to be hangman again, but don't fucking push me because I'll give you this again. You know what I mean? So I liked it. I didn't have a problem with this. My favorite work from Hangman has been like the past six months or so. This Boxley feud. I loved him apologizing to Renee. Like what a, Hey, I've, I know I've given you a lot of shit in these interviews. Now that we're through it, like it, it just a really, really good way to be a baby face. And I like based on what we get later, him putting the onus back on Mox for what feels like is happening there pays off later in this episode in a really fun way. Really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. So, um, they go to commercial. We come back with a post-match promo from MJF about his victory over the dragon at revolution. And he says he's going to celebrate being the most perfect wrestler in the world. And he's going to do it next week. With a rebar mitzvah up in Canada. And it was funny because he did say that uh, he did say that in the post press conference. And I laughed and I just didn't know that it was going to be something they truly were doing like a rebar mitzvah. I fucking think this is going to be 
great. Um, and we're clearly, I think, going to line up whatever's next for MJF. And uh, even if it's not a long term thing, we'll get a short term sort of uh, story to get us sort of on our way to um, double or nothing. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, MJF, he's the best in the world. That's what he says. And we're going to have a rebar mitzvah next week. Kate, does a rebar mitzvah do anything for you? Have you ever, first of all, I've never awesome. been to a bar mitzvah. So uh, I don't know what to expect. I don't, I definitely don't know what to expect from a re one. I don't know if they knew they were doing a rebar mitzvah. Aunt. Like, <laughs> you might have just it. said it and now yeah. it's a thing. Um, the, oh, a perfect, perfectly good uh, post championship incredible match promo to brag about beating brian danielson my god you should really good stuff looking forward to his rebar mitzvah i'm wondering who comes out for that we'll see (laughs) shivani's well you know it's canada so you never know i don't know why that would mean goldberg but i'm just saying it's canada don't forget they're gonna be in canada so Goldberg, Bret Hart, it's going to get ugly if it's in Canada. So uh, next, Shivani's in the ring to interview FTR, and they make their entrance to a huge applause, and Wheeler wants to talk about how bad the last few months have been. He said they lost to the acclaimed, to the guns. They lost three sets uh, of tag titles in roughly a month, and they lost one of their best friends in the wrestling world, obviously Jay Briscoe. Um, they knew they needed to step away and take a breath and recharge, but now they can't sit at home in good conscience and watch the guns call themselves the best team in wrestling. Amen. Well, (laughs) they do say that they're good. That was a lie. I mean, they're champs. They'll send that and you can't debate that. They managed Um, to find a way to win the belts. He also said they're the future. Another lie. But they're disrespectful and spoiled. And assholes. Also a lie. They were so cool on the Jericho crew. <laughs> this whole promo is a lie. They seem like the coolest dudes in the world. I feel bad like ripping on them every week, but they, they were so nice. <laughs> whole promo is full of shit. Well, he said their father gave them every advantage and his his dad could, uh, couldn't do that, but he taught him uh, how to fight and to be respectful. And he's going to teach the guns those lessons. Dax says that he'd usually talk about his daughter, but he's going to talk about us, the fans. At a time when he could, uh, when he thought he couldn't be loved or loved pro wrestling, we showed him that he could. And damn it, he loves us too. December, they closed out the greatest trilogy of matches of their career, and they knew they had done something special, and the guns took that feeling away. His last memory of his most special friends in the business was taken away, and now is the time for retribution. It, uh, it'd be easy to beat their ass, but they have to hit them where it hurts and take the tag titles away. And they have to do it for themselves, for the Briscoes, and for all of us top guys out. So, Kate, I thought it was a good promo. First time back for FTR, you know, just sort of explaining like where they've been, why they stepped away. You know, obviously, I think we know they were nursing a lot of injuries. They had gone through a crazy schedule. And also, they weren't, I guess, sure sort of creatively what was going to be going on with them, especially with the rumors of their. There's still a lot of rumors out there about their contracts, right? Like people are like, oh, they have long term contract they signed. And Dax is out there being like, 
nothing changed. Like we don't have a long-term contract. Like we haven't talked to anybody, you know, or sent settled anything yet. So, you know, I thought this was a good way to reintroduce them and sort of say why they've been away and, and sort of where they are now and what their goal is. Um, and the crowd is fucking fully behind them. So, uh, I thought this was good from FTR. I loved, <clears throat> loved the Jay Briscoe stuff. Like that was just a really tastefully done way to acknowledge it. And it makes me really happy. By the way, on Honor Club, if you're subscribed before the last episode of ROH, they were playing FTR versus Briscoe's before it, which I just thought was a very, very classy move. Uh, nobody has asked you the important question, which is, is Dax's ass still broken? Because let's not forget, he broke his ass. I will say this. He does have a crack in it. So I'm, my guess is it's still broken. It's true. That's a very good point. Very happy to have bald and hair back. Very nice. Yeah. Nice shot to the arm for the tag division. Absolutely. Um, it is. Uh, I will say this. I, I, you know, I think what we all said was like we had sort of hoped they wouldn't continue to harp on the Briscoe stuff. I didn't mind it here because they haven't been around to comment on it at all. So, yeah, it makes and complete sense. Plus, their their history for the last like two years was so heavily intertwined with the Briscoes that they had to mention it. So I didn't have a problem with it. One of the last things they had done in a wrestling ring was put on one of the best triumvirate of, I mean, probably the best triumvirate of tag matches mm -hmm. ever done. Arguably the best tag matches, period. Um, so had to mention it. And it didn't feel like harping because it wasn't like, and Jay Briscoe, who whatever, like they, they still wove it into the story they're telling. Right. So I thought that was really, really good. Very happy to have them back. They're just one of the best tag teams to ever do it. And I think the creative stuff is tricky when you have seven belts, right? It's yep. when you have seven belts and you want to go to Japan and do what you did with Aussie Open, which of course you do. And you want to do the trio of matches that you did with the Briscoes, which you're not allowed to do on on. AW television mm -hmm. that's going to make your creative plans complicated so it, it, it makes sense to me um, that it would be a challenge but I, I hope they stick around because there's not a lot of other TV promotions that have the depth of a tag division that AEW has and treats it as special as tag wrestling can be for sure for sure and we'll talk about it there's a little news and note not in danger but we'll talk about it a little bit further later Moving on from FTR, we go backstage with Renee Paquette and Jade Cargill. Uh, and Jade is scoffing at the idea of a challenge and says she's run through every woman in AEW in the United States. And seeing as we're going to Canada, she wants the best that Canada has to offer. So, Kate, here's my question to you, because I've sort of I didn't do too much looking on my phone like during, you know, the segment. But, you know, clearly they're going to try to get a Canadian wrestler to go against Jade. Who are they thinking about putting up against Jade? Because off the top of my head, I can't think of like a top Canadian woman. I mean, the first person that popped into my brain, and it's definitely not happening, was like, oh, Trish Stratus. But that's only because she's the only Canadian woman that I can think <laughs> of. Well, she's on WrestleMania this year, so super right. not happening. Nope. Uh, pro probably Jody Threat would be my guess. She's kind of the only... 
okay. pop independent name and she's yep. big and an ass kicker. Like it would it would be a good statement win for Jade. And this whole Athena heel turn kind of came out of her match with Jody Threat. So that would be my guess. I don't know anybody else in the Canadian scene. And I can't think of like a Canadian women's wrestling legend type right type person like it's to your point basically that i can think of is is trish yeah it's just it's a it's a hard spot to put yourself into because i feel like this has to be somebody that people know or else it's gonna feel like a miss you know what i mean like i i don't know i'm with you with with uh oh my god you just said her name and it's gone Uh, yes Uh, i'm with you there that would make sense sort of story-wise but you know, we'll see what happens, but they're clearly lining up that she's going to be appearing in Canada. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the problem is her promo is true. She went through the whole roster and they have nothing. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. I mean, I feel like we're they're just like we're waiting for Chris Stat to come back. And it's Which like, is, now I feel like it should be Chris and Ruby. So it's like a whole I don't know. I don't know. Right. Who knows? Uh, Kate, we go to Top Flight and AR Fox versus the JAS. It's Jericho, Daniel Garcia, and Sammy Guevara. Um, and JAS wins by pinfall. Uh, there are some shenanigans here at the end. Um, Floyd, uh, Hager clocks, uh, uh, Darius with Floyd. Jericho hits the Judas effect and they get the win. Um, and post-match, Angelo Parker talks it up as the greatest trios win in the history of AEW and tells the crowd to light the beam. I guess that's a Sacramento thing. Um, and Daniel Garcia gets on the mic and says they should be number one contenders for the trios titles. Samuel Guevara tries to claim they're the sexiest group alive. And then Jericho restates that they're coming for the trios titles. And that's when the light go down but it's the elite who make the entrance and Kenny Omega gets on the mic and says for the last three years they've stayed out of each other's lanes and he'd like to think that comes from mutual respect but when you talk about the trio's championship and that's when Don Callis cuts him off and grabs the mic which was a little shocking to me Kate um, and he says the elite established the trios titles and after revolution, it should be obvious that they're the number one contenders. And on a personal note, he and Chris have been friends for 30 years and he agrees with people that, that say Chris Jericho is one of the greatest of all times. But unfortunately, he's only the second best wrestler from Winnipeg. And he even feels like if he had a couple months to train, Chris would be the number three best wrestler from Winnipeg. And that's when Jericho challenges them to come down to the, uh, to fight right now. Lights go down again. And that's when the black, uh, house of black, uh, appear on the, the big screen. And Malachi black says they all deserve to be humiliated in their hometown. So if they want these lights come up, house of black is appearing on the ramp. And, uh, Malachi says that they can come get them. Lights down, come back up. The House of Black are gone. And I don't know, Kate, maybe next week we get a triple threat trios title match between these two, three groups. That's what I think they're lining up, especially with Kenny and and Chris being, you know, from Canada and, and Winnipeg. I think it makes total sense to do that match. 
and should be a pretty fucking awesome match if they can keep everything sort of going. Sure. I think it's funny because that feels like it should be on Rampage, but sincerely, I don't think you have Kenny Omega and Jericho not on your A show with their history and their ratings draw that they just both legitimately are. Right. Um, but that I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that plays out. They're all so different stylistically. I think it could be really fun. Also just really appreciated Matt Menard with his celebrating the one year of sports entertainment. That's right. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> you know, what's funny, Kate is he said that and two thoughts went through. Well, one thought went through my mind, but it was really two questions. Did it the feel... Judas go through your mind as well? No, no Judas. No Judas in your mind. Got it. No, not at that moment. But the things that went through my mind were, um, okay, he said it's been a year. Has it felt like that long? Or has it felt longer? Like, I couldn't tell. Like, a year. Wow. Like, I can't tell if it felt fast or slow of the JAS. Also, this um, this did produce one of my uh, biggest pops of the night was the fact that uh, they were talking about they were the sexiest team. And Hager goes, this hat is sexy or I like this sexy hat. <laughs> yeah, I like the sexy hat. That's it. Definitely pop me. Yeah. Um, I think. That. It feels like both because it feels like their feuds drag on so long. It feels like they've been here forever, but because they've only had like two feuds, it feels like it's been super quick. So that's definitely part of it. Mm -hmm. I also just wanted to call out, we got some suggestions in the chat for who it might be. Some people saying Gail Kim, but she's like very, very tied up with impact. Taya Valkyrie though is a good pull. Cause I don't think she's contracted oh. to impact. That could be very, very fun. Couple people saying Bunny is Canadian. I don't mm -mm. think it's Bunny because I, I think she's actually like she's from Buffalo now, so I don't think they would like lean too hard into that. I guess. But also, if you're saying "Give me the best Canada has to offer," and then you just trot out the Bunny, I think it's and a myth. On your yeah, on your roster and your own mid card is is tougher. Ty Valkyrie is a really good pull though. That would that would be my guess. Cabbage um, Sensei says Rosemary. Uh, I think she is Rosemary contracted to Impact. I think she might be contracted there. Impact's still weird with her contracts. Yeah. Um, but a tie. I bet I would guess it's Taya. Um, but yeah, I, this this was a really fun segment. I I just love Matt Menard. He just just anytime he looks into the camera and opens his mouth, I just cracks me up. Absolutely cracks me up. Oh yeah, he's perfect. Um, all right. Um, uh, moving on. This is where we get a big announcement, Kate. An unscheduled big announcement. The fuck was this? Tony Khan. Now, I'll give you the announcement, but I'm not going to give it to you the same way that Tony Khan gave it. I'm so confused. Uh, so Tony Khan appeared to inform us that next week, Orange Cassidy will defend the All Atlantic Championship against Jeff Jarrett in Canada. And that. In part, well, you know, I really hope Jeff Jarrett wins. Um, yes, I hope he wins. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Um, and that in partnership with Warner Discovery and in order to promote the Shazam movie, which is why they'll be fighting. I don't know why that is a promotion, but 
they're uh, le- uh, they're leveling the title up to AEW International Championship. Um, so they hype reel, they throw a hype reel on for the film and the title defense, and they go to break. But for some reason, Tony Khan repeated those statements like three times. Um, part of me wasn't sure, Kate, if there was voiceover on the video clip and then he didn't know about it and then just repeated the same goddamn thing, but it wasn't good. Um, but what I can say is why don't they just call it the intercontinental championship? (laughs) Well, that's taken. I know it is. It's just so funny. It's like, all right, we sort of knew what you were doing. Like there's a very, um, a great young woman who pointed out on Twitter that an international and a world title mean the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. Um, I don't know why they're doing that. I guess. Cause you're going to be defending it maybe in different parts of the world. That would be really cool. If Miro went back to like Bulgaria with it. If you were going to have him go over for it. Right. Um, I didn't know what got announced. Like I had to go back and kind of rewatch it. Cause he said, he, he said it's leveled up international level. It's leveling up like three times. It was so yeah. weird. You made and that then he was also talking announcement. about Shazam or some shit. What was going on with like the promotional aspect? Corporate synergy is all it is. It's Warner brothers saying, you've got to talk, fu- mention fucking Shazam. And we've got to show this fucking hype reel. It was so weird. They had had audio. They got to get this audio shit under control, man. There's like audio glitches every. There was twice on commentary at the very beginning of the show. Yes. The audio has got to they got to rein that in. Um, But yeah, this was I was like, I don't know if he said a sentence. (laughs) He did. He just said the same sentence like three times. I was like, all right, Rain Man, let's bring it in. So at the very least, we're getting Orange Cassidy and Double J for the all new uh, AEW International Championship. My guess, Kate, is they're changing the name because not all the places they're they are defending it are in the Atlantic. So it also makes me think maybe they're going to defend it at a Forbidden Door 2 and lose to somebody that's in New Japan that can go. Right. Make it take it everywhere and have a working relationship with them. But that that popped into my head too of like, oh, maybe it's yeah. So we'll see. We got that booked for next week. What we do Um, know is it's leveled up. That was made abundantly clear. True. Leveling up to Shazam. (laughs) Uh Shazam, we are on the way up. Shazam. It's a level up. International (laughs) level. Up. Leveling up. Um, it's leveled up, uh, back from commercial. There there is a post-match promo from, uh, Brian Danielson. And he talks about wanting to teach his kids to fight for their dreams. But Max was right. This whole career, he always thought fighting, uh, fighting on was, was best to fight and fight and fight and fight. And when he woke up from the label lock, his first instinct was to fight. But then he realized he couldn't feel his arms and his left leg had no strength. And MJF told him he was putting himself before his family and he'd never play with his kids again. And he was right. 
And Danielson says he thinks it's time to go home. So that's the end of that promo. So Kate, an interesting thing here. I think it just clearly means Danielson's going away for a little bit, right? He's going to take his time. But an interesting way of putting it, it's time to go home. Do you think they're going to... It's funny. Asian Joe just put it in the chat, but this was where mine went. My mind went. Do you think it means he's going to take a little time off and after the Ring of Honor pay-per-view show up in Ring of Honor and sort of go at whoever has that championship at that point in time for Ring of Honor? I thought about that. I also thought maybe he's going to do a New Japan stick because he said that's really important. I think maybe he goes over there a little bit before the G1 goes through G1 season and then comes back after. ROH would just be an incredible testament to that. That would just be so amazing. Um, And it is kind of fun because I just have this feeling, and I don't know if it's just because Eddie Kingston's really good at his job, but with Claudio kind of being back in the picture with Mox and Wheeler, I feel like Eddie Kingston's going to beat Claudio, Uh, especially with this whole, like, I quit angle. It, It would make sense. And for Eddie to go there and he hates Brian Danielson, that could be a really fun thing because he just beat Claudio. Danielson had to go home, but like he just beat his boy from the Blackpool Combat Club. So I have to go Mm -hmm. out and and fight him would be a really, really, really fun angle. I also just want to see Danielson versus Josh Woods and a bunch of people real bad. So (laughs) that would be super fun. But I also wonder if going home is going to mean the Blackpool Combat Club just kind of calls him back to the stable. Like, we're through the tag title picture now. The rest of them have turned heel. Maybe it's them being like, hey, don't forget who you are. Come back to us and hang out. So we'll see. We'll see. I would laugh if he took a vacation before John Moxley. That would crack Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, if anybody should, it should be Mox. But, you know. (laughs) He's not staying away. And it's funny you mentioned the the Blackpool Combat Club because that's the next match. Beaver Boys, Alex Reynolds and John Silver or the Dark Order versus the Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley. And um, let's cut to the end and get to the post-match stuff because that's what the most. Ex- well, the match was very good, but the most exciting stuff comes there. The Blackpool Combat Club wins by submission. Uh, with the chokehold from Moxley on Alex Reynolds. And post-match, Moxley puts the bulldog choke on and chokes Alex until Evil Uno runs down to make the save. But Wheeler Yuta is able to even the odds and holds Evil up for Moxley. Hangman Page comes down to make the save. The Blackpool Combat Club attack him and beat him down. And that's when the referees swarm and break it up as we go to break. So... A couple things. This match was highly entertaining. I really enjoyed this match. But here again, Kate, we're seeing this heel tactic stuff out of the Blackpool Combat Club. Now, what's interesting is they're just like, we like to fight, right? Like, we're just really hard, you know, like violent fighters. So part of me is like, well, you know, maybe that's how they get out of not truly being heels, right? The fact that they're just like, we we fucking fight. That's what we do. But at the same time, maybe that's the excuse for them not to feel like they're heels. You know what I mean? Like in their minds, it's like, we're not heels. We just like to fight, but it's like, Hey asshole, you are a heel because this is what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you beat people down, you choke them after the match is over. Um, 
And the other interesting thing here for me was the fact that Hangman comes to make the save, right? We rarely see it being Hangman coming to make the save. We see others coming to the aid of Hangman. So, you know, we had heard prior to the Moxley match, Hangman talking about, you know, sort of like, you know, figuring out what's going on, right? He had sort of like alluded to a couple things, right? Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's just an interesting turn here because Hangman's usually pushing everybody away. He comes to make the save and it's almost like this isn't done between him and the Blackpool Combat Club because now he's involving people that he's closest to. So I don't know where they're going from here, but what is super interesting is the fact that we are definitely seeing heel Blackpool Combat Club without them overtly being like we're heels, you know? Well, what's interesting with this is the Blackpool Combat Club are actually at a numbers disadvantage as we're talking through it. I wonder if Danielson's just going back there or if they try to pull Takeshita for it. That could right. be interesting. Um, but there's an opening there that could be really fun. But I, I like Heel Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I This was kind of built around William Regal, and William Regal was never too, like... I mean, he used the brass knucks, obviously, but he was never reliant on chicken shit tactics when he was a heel. He was just a badass wrestler. And I, I like that this is getting back to that. Like I, I want Blackpool combat club to be heel. I like it better. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just what I, uh, you know, I find it interesting that it hasn't been really sort of like overtly said, Hey, their heels. It's just like, you know, this is what they do, right? They fight, they're aggressive, they're violent, but never really been said like, you know, hey, they're a heel faction. So it's going to be interesting to see where which way they go. But also, I think Claudio has to drop that title before they're full. I agree. Yeah. I was just, I, that was exactly what I was going to say is it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Claudio is clearly has to be involved with Ring of Honor for now. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know how much further they could go with him still having to work ring of honor and hold that title. So he's got to drop that title at the pay-per-view. He's got it. I think so. When Eddie Kingston winning a title, people go insane. Oh, yeah. <coughs> people will go. I'm in. I'll be people. I'll, I'll Just you. That's it. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, after this, um, uh, Renee Paquette is interviewing the acclaimed and daddy ass. Mm -hmm. They're getting on the road back to the tag titles and 2.0 rolls up to agree that they love the acclaimed and they have a proposition for them. They know the acclaimed are sports entertainers, uh, at heart and they have a nice laugh about it. And then 2.0 and they tell 2.0 to leave them alone. So, the acclaimed in a 2.0, uh, you know, program. Sign me up. I'm all for it. Your Michael Jackson thriller looking asses killed me. <laughs> killed me. Oh my god, hysterical. I I just I like 2.0. I don't I don't I think we need to see more of 2.0. Fucking. Yeah, I want to see them in the ring more, especially. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, they're fun. They're really, really fun. 
I mean, what they do not in the ring, you know, just on the fringe and on the outside is fun, but they're good workers in the ring. So I'd like to see them more in the ring. Oh, yeah. Matt Menard. uh, His his expressions are always just fucking on point. Unreal. Okay. So we move on to the main event, Kate, and it's Wardlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs for the AEW TNT Championship in a false count anywhere anything goes match. Um, all of it goes. All of it. Anything and all things go. Anything and everything goes. Uh, so, uh, they do cut uh, early on to Wardlow and Hobbs fighting in the parking lot again. Stay out of the goddamn parking lots. I By don't. All know. of these wrestling promotions, ridiculous. Even even just the parking lot where all the you know the fans can park. Just stay out of there. No. Just. Uber. When the show starts, be inside. Don't be in the parking lot. You don't want to. Um, Powerhouse Hobbs throws a keg at him. <laughs> Wardlow's able to duck it. Uh, reminded me of Donkey Kong. Uh, <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> and then we're sort of off to the races here. Um, getting sort of to the end of this match uh, is where... I'm sort of just like, what? Like, I didn't see any of this going down. But um, uh, Wardlow uh, hits a senton Atomico through the table. Uh, Powerbomb on the ramp. Both men are down. Wardlow is able to get um, Hobbs up to the stage. And he wants a powerbomb in front of the announce desk, but that's when QT Marshall appears and attacks him. That's right. He attacks him with a steel chair from behind. And he is, as you said, wearing that QT uh, QTV logo on his shirt. Uh, And he wallops Wardlow uh, on the head with the chair. Uh, He pulls Hobbs to his feet and tells him it's time. uh, And then they work together to powerbomb. Wardlow off the stage into the pit, and that's when Paul Turner issues a standing 10 count, and Wardlow cannot answer. So Powerhouse Hobbs wins by referee stoppage, becoming the new AEW TNT Championship. Hobbs lifts QT up uh, with the title in hand, and commentary reminds us that QT promised Will that his word is his bond, uh, and that's the show. So, um, what the hell, Kate? Did you have this on your bingo card? Because I did not. No, and I actually, I was kind of trying to process it because I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but I, I don't like it. (laughs) Match was fine. It's just so weird to me that you built up Hobbs with like Book of Hobbs. He seems very much like a loner. He's been through so much shit. And then to have the first thing that happens when he's like back in the ring in a singles match be he needs someone's help to win feels so off base with how imposing he is. Right. To me. And then on top of that, the choice. And I, I really like QT Marshall, actually. I think he's an unbelievable elicitor of crowd reactions mm-hmm. but it feels to me like if anybody is going to sell you on an intimidating Hobbs like Stokely Hathaway's right there 
that just feels like such a gangbusters pairing that feels very to me like um old Gary Hart ish like it it feels it feels like Stokely should be with Hobbs in a way um and it also feels to me like QT Marshall is, is not the choice so that's just odd to me because I feel like you have the the perfect mouthpiece right there especially with like Stokely's extremely tall self but yep. Hobbs could be like a just the visual of it and the way Stokely gets people over his approach when he's in the more serious way, I think would have been a, a super good call. And I, I thought they would do that from the beginning. QT Marshall and this QTV thing is on. The only thing that could make sense of it would be if Hobbs is pissed, but he wasn't. He was like holding his hand up. I would see Hobbs next week being like, I didn't fucking need your help. And then beating the shit out of QT Marshall would like, that would do something right. for me, but it, this seemed kind of premeditated or at least in cooperation with. So uh, I don't I don't get it at all. And I just think if the first thing you're going to do with this guy is tell us that he needs to cheat to win, like not every heel needs to cheat to win. Like some heels are just really fucking good and imposing. <laughs> right. And I, I also think <clears throat> I think this gives Wardlow. Uh, you know, sort of a shot back at some point, right? Like, hey, you didn't pin me, you know, like you needed somebody to keep to get me down and I couldn't get back up like you didn't pin me. So I deserve we got to run this back. It um, does extend the feud really easily. It So, yeah, it does that. Um, I was glad that Hobbs won that I think needed to happen. I just don't understand why you would. I mean, I get it because you're going to extend the story now with Wardlow, but I still think you could have done it with Samoa Joe keeping that title on Sunday and then losing to Hobbs. And now you even have a story. You could have had a story there, too, where Hobbs is like, well, I beat Samoa Joe. You didn't. You know what I mean? And like maybe not giving Wardlow a shot. You could have done it that way. Either way. Hobbs gets the title, and that's what's important. Hobbs, I think, needed the title. It legitimized him a little bit. I think people wanted this, and it was only like a matter of time until he got his solo gold. It's going to be interesting to see how they play this next week or if anything comes up on Friday about this with QTV. But it's interesting. It's got us talking. That's all I know. It's a little head scratcher, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a little bit because it's so out of left field that I'm I'm I I don't like the move of the first thing that happens being like you built out the book of Hobbs and he needs someone else's help, anybody's help, never mind QT Marshall's. But uh, what they do with it, I'll give some breathing room to because I'm intrigued. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um... So that was Dynamite tonight. I thought they did uh, a pretty good job. So we didn't have a whole lot of matches on the card tonight, but the wrestling we got was good. I think we started to build up new stories, which you obviously want to see coming out of a pay-per-view where you wrapped up all your major stories. And now we're sort of building, you know, to double or nothing, right? We've got sort of the... They've got to get to something in the midway and then we'll start to start to sort of heavy build it. But we've got a lot of sort of starts to things that they could go long term to the next pay-per-view. So we'll see what happens. Just letting you know. And I, as much as I love CM Punk, I'm not on the he's going to be back train. 
But if he shows up there, I'm calling it double or muffin. Double or muffin. Wow. I mean, it yeah. writes itself. It does write itself. If he returns, he's got to come out to the ring like eating muffins, right? Or something like they got to they got to pull that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kate, some news and notes before we wrap this up for the evening. Um, a lot of people like Fuego del Sol. Of course. I'm not no one more than our own Ryan Sullivan. I'm not one of them. But I will say this. It is unfortunate that Fuego del Sol seems to be injured. Uh, he fractured his foot, I believe, in five places. Uh, he did put a, I think a Twitter an Instagram post up. He said injury update uh, with the original x-rays last week. I guess he sustained this at an indie show. They confirmed dislocation of my right foot. They believed I only had one minor fracture. After the CT scan, upon further examination, today they determined I actually fractured my foot in five different places. The doctor told me the fact I finished the match was unbelievable. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. Well, yeah. Uh, Now, let's talk about the big thing. Ligament damage. The orthopedic said the main ligament around my List Frank bone is a little displaced, but not completely separated. So now I have to go see a foot specialist to determine if it needs surgery or if it can heal on its own. If it can heal on its own recovery is six to eight weeks because all my bones are in the right spots and the fractures just need time to heal. But if I need surgery, it could be three months. So expect another update within the next week. I'm hoping for the best. Not the news we wanted. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little frustrated. Focusing on my recovery and advancing my non-physical ventures like Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, IG, and content of the likes to keep me busy and my mind off this. Any love and support sent my way is appreciated immensely. And he also, um, he put up a clip, it's on uh, Instagram, uh, of how he injured his foot. Uh, so uh, he said he took uh, uh, he took the drop kick and his opponent fell much faster than he anticipated at an angle in which he was in my landing zone. In the last angle you can see, I try to catch myself to avoid coming down on top oh, of him. I'll tell you what I'm not watching. That video, yeah. <laughs> and nope. uh, have his knee go into my groin, but in turn, my foot dislocates. It's oh. wrestling. Freak accidents happen. The old saying goes, if it ain't uh, it ain't ballet and if it applies double here because you can't expect to land on your toes like a ballerina now it's time to recover um i will say this though kate uh i i i listened to a radio show called the bonfire and mm-hmm. uh dan soder used to be part of that he has moved on in the last week from that show but uh really? the he he did uh but uh, the ballet line reminded me of one of my favorite things that somebody said to Dan Soder once, and he recalled it on the show is um, they refer to wrestling as boy ballet. <laughs> and it's perfect. It absolutely boy is boy ballet. And somehow women's wrestling is girl ballet, but not just ballet. I mean, it's still boy ballet because it's, ball- it's boy ballet. wrestling. You know? wrestling. It's something like boys watch that's like ballet. This is International Women's Day. Everything is. Sorry, it's girls. It's women's, women's, women's Women's. day. Uh, So Fuego injured. uh, So don't expect to. You're not a fan of the Fuego. I'm just not. 
Are you a fan of Fuego 2? Fuego 2 very much more than Fuego 1. Okay. Okay. Sure. Well, this explains a little bit why Serpentico has been getting the yeeted to death spots on squashes. Yes. Yes. When one door closes, another opens. There you go. So Serpentico, stay healthy, my friend. That's right. Uh, So, Kate, some news on uh, Mercedes Monet. It's it's really about sort of like her next uh, dates with New Japan. Uh, Let's see. She was interviewed by TMZ Sports and confirmed one of those dates. Sakura Genesis in Tokyo on Saturday, April 8th is going to be her appearance. Um. So uh, she will be appearing again in New Japan uh, and um, she teased a possible future bidding war for her services. She said that besides taking it, the IWBG, uh, IWGP title on carpets, autograph signings all over the world to Paris, uh, I'm going to see what little promotions I can pop up to. I know next on my plate is April 8th in Tokyo, Japan for Sakura Games. I have a girl named ACM calling me out, so I've been putting the offer on the table of who is next on the list. I want to see who is ready for Mercedes Monet because I turned down nobody. I'm always here for the check. I'm always here for the bag. And whoever has the biggest bag is where I'm going to go. Uh, if you heard her, I, th- I can't remember if it was on her vlog or in a press conference, but the whole CEO thing versus the boss thing, when she spoke about it, it was really cool and clear what her vision was of like, and WWE, she was the boss because she was the best wrestler there. Here she's the CEO because she's like ushering in a whole other piece of the company. And I just really appreciated her explanation of that. Um I think it's it's just really cool that she loves pro wrestling this much that this is what she's choosing to do. And I'm very intrigued to see where she uh, takes not only the New Japan stuff, but where else she just shows up. Yeah. Her match with Kyrie was great. Really, really good. And for those who don't know the red carpet thing, too, she showed up at the Mandalorian premiere with the belt on the red carpet. Uh, so she's already she's did more than WWE it. did with it the entire time. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, if you want to see that whole interview, it's up on TMZ. You can go find it. Uh, but, uh, we'll be keeping an eye out. You could see her in new Japan on April 8th. So we know that much. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And, uh, Dax Harwood responded to reports that FTR is locked into long-term deals with AEW. So we had sort of mentioned this before in talking about AEW. Um, a lot of rumors out there, uh, about, their deals with AEW and on the latest episode of FTR with Dax Harwood, he responded to the reports by uh, first saying nothing's changed. He said, that is very surprising to me because zero has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Is that we got a call from Tony and this was maybe five days before the pay-per-view. I'm just guessing that he either heard a clip, listened to the podcast or read one of the headlines where I said we were ready to come back. Our bodies are healed. We're healed. We were just waiting for the call and we wanted to do what was right by business because we are contracted through April. He also did go on to praise Tony Khan for changing the industry by giving everyone who works uh, works in it another option uh, on the table besides WWE and that 
Um, he said the decision that he and cash, uh, will make by April about their future in pro wrestling does include a lot of different factors. It ultimately will come down to what makes them happiest. He said, I would never play someone, especially someone I'm as, um, as close to as Tony, especially someone who I was as close to as, as uh, triple H who I owe a lot to. I would never play them for monetary gain. Our choice right now is strictly on happiness. That's all. So the pros of staying in AEW, uh, the the pros of staying in AEW is a great schedule where I can come home and be with my family. The pros of WWE is they're the number one money making professional wrestling company in the world, and monetarily they could could offer us a great deal too. But in WWE, I don't feel like we will be able to have the, a kind of schedule that we would like to. Another pro for AEW is that unless Tony changes his mind come April, we will be able to do New Japan, doing the independence, going out and being able to do comic cons and things and meeting some of our fans. Those are the pros in AEW and WWE. They're uh, they're on a creative high right now. And I think that could uh, be able to keep the that. I think that they excuse me, could be able to keep that creative high up. They're the number one wrestling promotion, one of the top entertainment acts in the world, uh, in the whole wide world. They have a proven track record, you know, so there's a lot of things that we got to weigh. Um, So, you know, it's interesting to see sort of where they're at with their decision making. But what's clear, unless we're being worked and Dax did go on to sort of talk about like people are going to say they're they're working on and blah, blah, blah. But. You know, he's not he basically was like, I'm not going to tell people they're right or wrong, but like, you know, there's no point because everyone says one one or the other anyway. Right. So it's just interesting to see sort of where their their brains are at and what he's saying isn't untrue. Right. Like, of course, the WWE is the the biggest moneymaker in wrestling out there. They've got the most traction, the longest track record. But, you know, I've sort of said this if it was up to me. I'd I'd personally want to be somewhere with a better schedule where I could work more things that give me the opportunity to make money and also have a schedule that is more beneficial to me and my family. So it's always interesting to see sort of like where people go. And if people want to get paid, get paid. Take you have to take that chance. You know what I mean? But if you value other stuff, more creative control, you know, more say in where you work and what you're you're able to work because Tony Khan and AEW give you that chance, then that's what's going to be right for you. Clearly, they're going to do whatever's right for them. If you love them enough, you'll follow them wherever they go. You know? I just wanted to pull this up because it cracked me up that he got split open uh, oh, two yeah. minutes after that cracked me up on the pay-per-view and I forgot to mention it. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. They're, um, you know, it's funny. There's so much... I think there's a lot of wrestlers who also need clean slates for opponents. Like I already faced these guys as something that's not interesting. So I, I think the possibility that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win the tag titles and Johnny Gargano was there and maybe Ciampa, like a lot of those NXT guys might be ripe for like a reinvigorated tag division, but there's just so many question marks about like WWE may also sell. Is Vince really gone? Like all those things. So um we'll we'll find out we'll we'll see but i just hope that they do whatever they want to do because they're one of the best tech teams of all time undoubtedly yeah for uh for sure 
and then um, the last thing I had, or Kate, you sent something too, and I think I had it. Was that it? Did I touch Just on Brian, that? Yeah, Brian Cage's. Oh, that's ahead. right. Yes, sorry. That was it. I actually have that in front of me, and I just couldn't remember if it was Cage or somebody else. But the other news that came out uh, tonight was that the, apparently the WWE is reportedly interested in um, Brian Cage. Uh, so in all of the news about like possibly Jay White or even somebody like Kenny Omega, that they're trying to, you know, move over to the WWE. The reports are that they want to uh, try to sign uh, Brian Cage. Uh, so um, he uh, his contract was set to expire last month, but it looks like it was extended possibly due to injury time at the beginning of that new deal. And it looks like he's agreed to at least work through the end of the month. Right. Because he's got the the six man tag belts in the ring of in Ring of Honor. So <clears throat> we'll see what happens with Cage. It, it, apparently they're interested in in him at the E um, they would want to take him uh, to talk to him. Um, it sounds like there are people in AEW like Jericho who think that cage and some others who think that cage is still an asset to the company and really want him to stay in AEW. But you know, again, it's going to be one of those things where if his contract goes up and he talks to people and the E throws him a ton of money and he might be like, I got to cash in on myself. You can't fault him for it. You really can't. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like one of the rare instances where WWE does really well with people is people like Brian Cage. Like that, they love a guy like Brian Cage. They'll push a guy like Brian Cage. So it's a little bit different um, than like an FTR to me. But everybody's got to do what makes them happy. I don't want to blame Brian Cage. She's at a very weird trajectory. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, on TV, weird face turn stuff with Tully Tully's gone two weeks later. Like I would probably want the hell out too, to be honest with, with what he's kind of been through there and knowing WWE would salivate for a guy with his stature is, is so obvious. Right. So yeah, um, it just sounds like the, the injury time counting against your contract would be something you gotta, gotta work yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, WWE has historically been the land of giants, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it's always been that. You know, it's amazing to see guys like, you know, AJ Styles have the run he's had in AEW or sorry, WWE, because he's not a giant. Yeah. You know, he's the opposite. Um, And sometimes they just don't know what to do with those guys or historically didn't know what to do with those guys because Vince always wanted the giants. Um, So we'll see what happens with Cage. And again, you know, Jay White's hanging out there. We don't know what's happening with him. There's all those rumors about Kenny Omega. Personally, I think I'd love for him to stay in AEW. But, you know, again, if he's getting crazy money thrown at him, why wouldn't you go? But WWE also has interest in like Hikuleo and stuff like they're they're yep. expanding their. I'm sure that's probably a Triple H symptom. Like they're expanding their their purview a little bit. But yeah, let's see. I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there, too. I mean, we don't dig deep into WWE here just because of what we're focused on, right? We're AEW focused. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there right now where people don't know what the fuck is happening in AEW with, like, who's controlling creative. Like, Vince McMahon is showing, you know, showed back up at Raw, and people are like, he was there just to see Cena. And then other people are out there saying, no, it was not just to see Cena. Um, 
you know, I just so, like they, they said they want nine billion dollars. There's one there's one possibility that pays that, and it's Saudi Arabia. That's terrifying for a lot of a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, I mean it's you know the sale stuff is just still hanging out there. Nobody knows. I think the only thing people know is like some of the names that have been dropping out of sort of the race. Like I think at one point Comcast was tied to it and it was like, yeah, Comcast isn't really looking to spend that type of money. You know what I mean? So it's like they've clearly dropped out of whatever sort of race they were or or inquiries they sort of put in on the company. But, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. It's an interesting time for wrestling because there's there is competition. Right. And that that always makes things better. Personally, I think I think Cage does have a lot to offer, and especially in a place like Ring of Honor, like if he can do, you know, he's got a six man belt right now. If he decided to stick around, I think they could do more with him in Ring of Honor and he can eventually make his way back to AEW. You know, being in Ring of Honor doesn't mean you can't ever go back to to AEW. It doesn't seem like there are those lines that can't be crossed. I think they're trying to get to a point where you have sort of two distinct rosters, but because of what they had to set up with who's got belts and who's going to be on TV. And you're going to see those ring of honor belts on television. Like you're clearly still have this bleed through. I think after the ring of honor pay-per-view, we're going to become, it's going to become a little more clear. Like who is AEW? Who is ring of honor? You know? Yeah. I think after Supercard, there'll be some more delineation. So interesting, interesting stuff. But that is the end of our night. So, um, Kate, we didn't even talk about it at the top of the hour. You had your wrestling event on Saturday for Excite Wrestling. Oh, I did. And let me tell you what I got in. What did you get in? I got did you, wait, did you get your shit in? I got my shit in. Boom. I got my shit in. Uh, I got my the goggles. They do nothing light in. I got my what was the other one? No your on onions. No your onions. I said about Bobby Fish. And I even got a Bobby Fish. Where's the lie in? Very proud of that wow. one. Wow. Wow. And if people want to see that, can they still see that on uh on Twitch? Yeah, so they had it's they moved to a new venue and it's an awesome spot, but because of that internet wasn't set up. So that'll go up on Twitch on March twenty fifth. Okay. And my role there is also expanding. So uh, I'm going to be hand selecting the opponent for the champion next time because he's a little punk ass bitch from Syracuse. He's been talking shit on my hometown in Binghamton and he invaded and he's an asshole. He's disrespectful mm-hmm. to everyone in my hometown. He's disrespectful to the promoter, to the locker room. And so I'm going to pick who goes up against this punk ass to get him out of my promotion. Not my promotion, but where I go now. Sure. So I'm picking the opponent and he can kiss my ass. That's that. Well, sounds interesting. And congratulations on the expansion. Thank you. It's out of necessity. Okay. I don't want to have to do it, but if you keep Mm -hmm. coming into my hometown and talking shit, I'm going to have to do something about that. Well, it is Binghamton. Yeah, but like, hey, hey, bro. All right. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, I left. It's, it's just I, I left for a reason, but like, right. come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate, why don't you tell the people where you're at and uh, where they can find you online? I'm so tired, but I will be doing the ROH post show tomorrow, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I'm fightful with 
Righteous Reg, we're doing a thing where the ROH post-show is being handed off to the Impact post-show in the same stream. So I'm very intrigued to see how that goes and excited. So ROH will be like an hour review, which is great. Friday's AEW Rampage and SmackDown post-show on the Fightful main channel. Saturday, I'm taking my ass to bed and, and I'm really excited Dude. about it. I ain't watching any wrestling. Good. I'm excited. Good. Well, enjoy your Saturday off. Uh, because then next week you do it all over again. The carousel starts again. Well, I'll tell the people you can follow us on our socials at Mark Order Pod. Um, I'm Ryan. I don't uh, go anywhere, but when I do, it's on Wednesdays so that I can't make the show. But you can catch me live tweeting Mondays and Tuesdays, AW Dark and Elevation. How was that? Was that good? We used live tweeting loosely. <laughs> but certainly follow us on our socials and Monday and Tuesdays during dark. Ryan does tweet about the shows. Um, he tweets way too fucking much for somebody with a job. Um, That's, I mean, he's got a job. He's at school. He's, he, it's about. What is it? Oh, my God. What's the rock thing? It's about drive. It's about power. That's what I was trying to think of. Oh, I was like, what? He's got work. He's got school. He's he's on Twitter. He's just he's all over the place for someone who never goes anywhere. You know what I mean? Too much. <laughs> um. So certainly follow us on our socials at Mark Order Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. You know, all the places. Uh, and uh, you can, if you're following us on one, just go to the bio uh, that we have with our link tree and you can find links to all our socials to make it super easy for you. And you can give us a follow. We appreciate everybody who follows us. And if you take a few minutes to follow us, it certainly helps us. So uh, thank you. And uh, thank you for those who also help spread the word by, you know, retweeting or, you know, mentioning us to people and stuff like that. Uh, you can also, uh, request free stickers. So if you give us your name, mailing address, email in the country you live in, we'll send you out some of these free stickers. We send them anywhere in the world for free. So please hit us up and we will send you some free stickers. I want to thank everybody who watched live along with us tonight throughout the night. Thank you. Hell everybody. Yeah. Cabbage sensei, Jesse Ozog. Uh, I see, uh, Louis or Luis, I'm sorry. Luis. Um, 1LT Photo, uh, Slonamite, Gordon Post, uh, Asian Joe, Rob Humphrey, Joe Walsh. I'm sure a ton of other people that I'm forgetting in the chats right now. Uh, they didn't make it till the end. They don't matter. Okay. They didn't go the you gauntlet. Heard it here first. They, didn't, they didn't go the 60 minutes. You heard it here <laughs> first. Kate doesn't care if you... Can't go the distance. That's right. Kate addresses her enemies. That's right. Uh, but thank you to all those who watched us live. And we thank you all who listen to us in podcast form after the fact. Uh, if you could take a few minutes to make sure you subscribe on your podcast forums where you're listening to us, maybe even leave us a like or, or rate and review. Uh, that certainly helps us as well show up in the podcast uh, forums. If you've never watched us on YouTube. You can go back to YouTube. All of our episodes live there uh, in the archive. So you can go back and see when Matt shows up uh, with no shirt or Ryan does some of his characters that'll go on for like an hour and a half. 
and all the other crazy bullshit we've done over the you know past 102 episodes now. Uh, check us out on YouTube if you can. Hit that smash that like button, bro. Smash the like button, bro. You know, do all that stuff. We appreciate that. Helps us too. Kate, people don't think that helps. That is super helpful. Oh, uh, it's huge. Like on it's all those. The only platforms. thing that trips the algorithm these days. Yeah. So if you take a few minutes to do that, we greatly appreciate that too. And for anybody else who wants to take it to the next level and give us a few of your hard-earned bucks, uh, you can head over to our Pro Wrestling Tea Store. We have that in our link tree in our bios on our social pages, or you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash markorderpod or just search Mark Order Podcast on Pro Wrestling Tees, and you'll find our store. We've got four shirts up, two front side prints, two double sided prints. Uh, and, uh, it helps us out, uh, if you order a shirt, if you can't do that, totally fine. Wait for a sale to come up or something like that. But, uh, if you, uh, do, uh, you know, grab a t-shirt, I'll give you a call to say thank you personally. I'm a little If behind. I buy one, will you call me? No. It is funny though, Kate. Uh, my sister ordered a t-shirt, did not know she was ordering a shirt. My sister oh. ordered one. <laughs> And um, we were in uh, we were at my parents house together and I had gotten the email that she ordered a shirt and I was like, oh, uh, hold on. And I called her phone. I said, just pick up. And she picked up. I was like, oh, hi, this is Aunt Money from the Mark Order podcast. (laughs) This Jen, you know, and I did the whole spiel. Uh, So, yeah, if you order a shirt, I owe you a phone call and I know I'm behind on a couple of phone calls. The weekends have been nuts. But, you know, the funny thing is I meant to I wanted to sit down this Sunday and I was like, fuck, I forgot pay-per-view and all that kind of stuff. Then I was going to do it Monday and I was like, nobody wants a phone call on a Monday. That's so true. We'll do it this weekend. I owe some people some phone calls. So if you see a weird number pick up, make sure to answer because it's probably me. And it's not my personal phone. I'll tell you that much. Smart man. <laughs> so smart man. that's it, everybody. We're done. We will be back next week to talk about dynamite and rampage and all that other fun stuff here on the Mark order podcast. Kate, thank you for joining as always. Oh yeah. Thanks and... for sending me the link. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't have my phone okay. with me when I uh, sat down. Like I left it plugged in and uh, behind me and I was oh, just good. like, uh, We got here, brother. We did. Uh, So uh, we will talk to everybody next week. And uh, yeah, it's been the Mark Order Podcast. We'll see you later. the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.